Welcome to the podcast. Download episodes of previous shows. It is the Riot Podcast. Welcome to your Wednesday show mm-hmm. or whenever day you might be listening. <laughs> Hudson, Nikki, Isaiah here with you. And uh, well, we've got a full show for you, I'm assuming. I feel Isaiah. like you got some good options today, yeah. guys. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, we start off with what's probably the longest pizza delivery of all time because it's going to space. <laughs> they better uh, they better tip well. Yeah. The- it's the one type where you're like, it's even a kit. So it's like, it's yeah. not technically like they're doing it for you. Well, what if it's like uh, some of those Joe Corby's? Those could be pretty good sometimes. Well, you have to assemble it on your own. Yeah, it is, it is a lot of work. And but again, you are in space. So if you right. got up there, you're smart enough. And uh, and you're just happy for any pizza at all, at all, too. Yeah. <laughs> good one. We, we also talk about how hard it's going to be to go to the store because it was hard enough picking Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. but now it's like a whole nother level because there's alcoholic Mountain Dew. You have to <laughs> double check every can before you open it, before you purchase it. You don't want to pick the wrong one and, and get a DUI or something. <laughs> you want to be very safe about An that. An open container, that will be bad news on your record. Well, yeah, and even if you're at home, you know, a lot of people, if you have, like, the section of the fridge uh, for, like, the older people, uh-huh. uh, but then if you are uh, not yet 21 or something yeah. and you're like, oh, what's this new flavor? Ooh, it's got a bear on it. it. <laughs> this must be a radical new energy drink for me. I think we're me. all just being trained because there's so many flavors for so many beverages mm-hmm. uh, that aren't alcoholic, but yet, you know, you're like, oh, you just assume, hey, it's a new limited flavor. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to hard to keep it all straight. For I, sure. I think it's going to be like the older people that like are really struggling with like the 50 or 60 year olds are like, oh, more just Mountain oh, Dew. Yeah. Yeah. It and they're gonna like just be slugging them. Yeah. Have you ever seen? Um, it's a, everything's a TikTok, but the one uh, the girl went home for like Christmas or something, or she was just home from classes, and her mom, who was like never drank a drop oh in her gosh. whole life, was uh, bought packs of White Claws yeah. and was like, "This stuff is great." <laughs> and she thought it was just like a you know like a, just a, a boutique sort yeah. of seltzer drink, and she had to tell her mom like her mom was drinking like two or three a night. Oh, no. <laughs> she had developed a problem at that point and the mom had no idea it was alcoholic. Mom, oh you're gosh. acting a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> you're so much more relaxed yeah. in the evenings. You're a little on edge though. Yeah, yeah. it's like your mom wine thing. Yeah. <laughs> but with that. And then we wrap up the show by talking about tomorrow morning's plans and if we are going to remember the meteor shower. Oh, that's oh, right. Isaiah, you're going to be up early. Are you going to see the meteor shower? I'm going to try to if I remember. At that point in time, I feel like my brain like just forgets everything. You're just trying yeah. to get here. I'm just trying to arrive <laughs> and like just start working to where if there's anything else going on, I typically don't remember it. Well, I feel like it's a life lesson to teach us to look up. Yep. You know, because we're always just looking down at our phones. Look, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even we, when walking in the building. Well, <laughs> the good news is I'm sure if we miss 
watching the meteor shower live, we can just rewatch the highlights online. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and that'll be just as good. It's not just tomorrow, but I think it's Friday morning as well. Yeah. But, um, so we got two chances. We'll see what happens. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's the podcast. So I guess we will. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, hang on there. Hang on. Hang because on. that's the podcast. But we are going to be on the Radio U Riot Facebook page for a Kit Kat after show today. We're doing so that. you're going to want to join us for that. Yeah, so when you're done with the podcast, head over to Radio U Riot on Facebook. Make sure you're following it already or Radio U Riot on YouTube. Watch that. We got a lot of extra stuff on Friday with some bands coming in, so it'll be a busy morning. So lots of fun videos to catch up on. We should get the day off tomorrow. Oh, in between? Yeah, <laughs> since we've been so busy the rest of the week. I'll tell you what. Why don't we take Saturday off? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and we've got we've got uh, each our own various days off next week. So. Oh yeah, coming up. Except Isaiah. Nope. I'm here every day. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye. If you're looking for all the funny moments you missed during the riot, we apologize. You won't find them here. There, there weren't any. This is the worst of the riot podcast. I guess you could see this survey of dog owners that was done in the UK. You could see it as either a, a very sweet look at how close we all feel to our pets yeah. or... Or it could be a real look in the mirror about how fractured our relationships are with, <laughs> with the ones humans? we with the ones we love most. <laughs> we say we love most, anyways. Why don't Hudson? We just think it's the first one. We want the positive. <laughs> I think so. But we have a study. It was uh, conducted actually by uh, the Lotto in the UK, like Lotto Land. Their uh, their lottery? Like lottery. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What an odd one to be doing. They, uh, yeah, they, well, I mean, there's Unless some. Unless you think of it as, wow, you really st- struck the lottery like you want you it. You want it. If you have a good dog. Getting a dog. Yeah. <laughs> that you feel like you can talk to. Yeah, they have some, uh, you know, lottery thing they're tying it in with. But who cares about that? We're not in the UK and we're not going to gamble. So let's talk about the survey instead where uh, they studied 2,000 canine owners and they found that 80% Consider their dog to be a better listener than their loved ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. That's but that's all perception right there, I guess. Because <laughs> we don't know if your dog really is listening. You oh, could be they going. Are. You oh, don't know. No, you don't no, know. Nope. Nope. No, they absolutely are. I know it feels like they're listening, they and are. that's that's what's most important. Because see, the side of this is your dog is listening when you need them to. Mm-hmm. But my, especially Rolo. Hello. <laughs> Uh, you and your anxiety disorder, uh, you are not listening <laughs> when I'm telling you stuff yeah. to do. But when I am in a moment of emotion myself, yeah. uh-huh. he's always there for you me. You can always vent to Rolo. I can. But just don't try to l- make him listen to instructions because he's not going to listen. He's not going to listen to me tell him to stop looking out the window and barking at yeah. everything that walks by. Yep, I feel you right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they absolutely listen. I, I just, again, I... We don't know if they're actually really listening, but it feels like they're listening, and that's what's important. That's all that we're going by. They don't. You don't. If you're in a moment emotionally, you don't need somebody to actually respond. You just need somebody to to show that they're listening and 
Your dog can do it. I'm not listening to you, Hudson, because I know that my dog does respond. And he is going, hey, tell me about your day. <laughs> what happened today? What did yeah, Hudson tell please you? Please go, yeah, please go on more about how Hudson Hudson is emotionally beating you down. And he said, what about us? <laughs> so I don't think you get it. Uh, let's see. It also says, uh, of the dog owners in a relationship, 37% admit that their dog gets more affection than their partner. Aw, like yeah. kisses and cuddles. More kisses, Aww. yeah. I, that's, again, I mean, maybe 37% isn't that bad, but it feels... Well, they're the ones listening, so. It, the dogs are available, too. <laughs> they, they'll they they'll come and cuddle you, so... Aw, that's really sweet. Yeah, I don't know if... Uh, I get, I get, I need to stop looking at this from a bad perspective. Yeah, it's because, a nice thing. Yeah, the dogs, it's just showing how much we love our dogs. It's not saying that our relationships are in peril because we love our dogs more than our husband or wife or significant other. Is it? No. It's not, is it saying that? It's not saying that okay. at all. It's just saying don't feel bad if you go home and you... Uh, you go and get comfort from your little fuzzy friends. It is good uh, in a relationship, I guess, that dogs, like, that that's something you and your partner can connect with, too, mm-hmm. where you both feel like you can confide, and then the dog has all of the secrets. It's like your little doggy therapist yeah. for your uh, relationship. That's all we all need is just, yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't need a th- expensive therapy. We don't need medical uh, professionals. Hey, your pet's expensive enough, yeah. so it is like you're putting right. that money towards that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the worst of the riot. Did you see the uh, space launch yesterday, Nikki? What, what did they launch? They launched a rocket. Ooh, is yeah. people in it? Was uh, it just a rocket? It is a uh, rocket with supplies, did actually, have, uh, for the International Space Station. What was it from a week or so ago, the Tic Tacs in it? Oh, yeah. No, that one <laughs> was different. That was not in this rocket, but uh, it does have some unique items of its own. See, you never know what's on these things. There's Every day, there's some kind of something going to space, and this one is actually more official this one is it's headed for the International Space Station and it's including uh 820 no 8 <laughs> why can I not I 8, thought I moved on 8200 pounds of apples, tomatoes, kiwis and Pizza! Hey! hey! You get a pizza kit so you can make it there. Yeah, I wonder how much they had to pay to get this door dashed up there. Uh, that's, to, uh, that's an expensive yeah. one, but technically it's not just the pizza, it's everything. So yeah. They I, just put it all there on one tab. They do say it's 82, again, 8,200 pounds, but uh, there's no way it's 8,200 pounds of just the food. They do have other stuff going up there, but I don't know the weight of the t- like how it all breaks down. Oh sure. If it's like a thousand pounds of pizza, yeah. and then the other stuff, or because they also are flying like a mounting bracket for solar wings and uh, material simulating moon dust and uh, oh oh a slime mold. a slime mold wow. for a French educational experiment called the Blob. <laughs> that sounds like a problem. <laughs> That a movie will be made out of. We'll just, uh, well, the blob will go and eat the pizza first. Yeah. Hopefully it'll start with the pizza and and the fruit and avoid the actual astronauts themselves. It'll also have an infrared uh, detecting device that's used as a prototype for future tracking of satellites in space. Oh, it's got, it's got it all. 82,000. If I was 
an astronaut, I would hope that most of that shipment is just the pizza. I know. Who cares about that other stuff? (laughs) So wait, so when they send it up, is it like astronaut pizza or can we, is it a pizza making kit? Like Uh, it says it's a kit, so it's not pre-made. I I just picture uh, the Lunchables, you know? Uh uh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's, okay, so it's not like you can you can't bake pizza in space. Well, yeah, I don't think they have an oven, do they? I don't think they don't so. even have a microwave. Well, maybe there's an oven in the thing. <laughs> it's eighty two thousand pounds, yeah. eight hundred twenty. Stop no. trying to tell numbers. I can't do it. Stop it. Eight thousand. <laughs> we'll just say about eight thousand pounds. I just I I think I know in my limited knowledge of space. Yeah. That you can't be baking up there. No. So it it you're right. It must be like the Lunchables well, kit where it's all cold and stuff. If you put if you had an oven and you put a pizza in it, it would just be floating around in there, so it would wind up hitting the heating element or something. Oh yeah, you're right. And uh, they maybe it's get- like one of those outdoor outside spaceship uh, brick oven, like the ones when you go to the restaurant. Yeah, they're outside and they just sounds- shove it in, and <laughs> so they, they put it out of the space they station. Put it out of it. <laughs> And they're it's just, just kind of waiting floating down. there. They yeah. have to suit up and get the tether thing so that they can cook the pizza. Now, if I was with NASA, I'd be like, let's get a pizza oven up there. And yeah. they're like, no, we can't. That, yeah, can we yeah. go closer to the sun then and That's, just put it outside and let it cook up? <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll warm up in no time. It's probably why they sent so much fruit because it doesn't, uh, <laughs> that doesn't require you, any you need, cooking. Yeah, you need some fresh food. So yeah. that's, that's being sent up. I'm, I'm imagining, though, too, because I think for the majority of their food, mm-hmm. it is dehydrated and then they just add water or something to it. So I think when they get these fresh shipments, that's like a treat because it's coming straight from Earth. It doesn't have to hold in space. Oh, so the so it's apples will actually be fresh. But I don't know. Also, why, why couldn't you send fresh apples up there? You wouldn't need to dehydrate them because there's no bacteria in space, right? So the apples would be fine forever. Listen, it's like they're constantly in the fridge. That's why NASA's like, they, they want us on the team. Yeah, because <laughs> we're figuring these this whole time. Wait a minute. The next shipment, they're why like, have we, we been, done that. Why have we been dehydrating the apples the whole time? We didn't need to. <laughs> we could have done something else. <laughs> there's no bacteria in space. So that's going to except be for the, blob. the International Space Station. Uh, so they're getting a fresh food and a pizza kit delivery. Well, good for them. You won't hear a show like this anywhere else. And that's probably for the best. The worst of the riot. Radio U. Uh, taking the internet by storm yesterday... The new flavors of Mountain Dew, and they're alcoholic. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> like, how, how can we take this up another level? They've run out <laughs> of different flavors of regular Mountain Dew, oh, and no, so they're now that. they're like the only possible way forward to continue with the brand <laughs> is, is to come that? up with alcoholic Mountain Dew. So I saw the art for it, yeah. and it looks exactly like you think it would. Yeah, it totally <laughs> does. It has a very... Uh, White call slash Mountain Dew look. It looks like, uh, remember Affliction t-shirts that used to be a thing? You no, know? I don't. Is it, it look like that? Like the, uh, like the UFC MMA bro type type attire i don't think i do really no. well that's that's exactly what what they look like to me and uh which is feels like a target audience you know <laughs> you crank a bunch of crank i don't know what uh, what kind of term that is i don't know you chug a bunch of hard mountain dews crush them that's what i was looking there for it is. you crush a bunch of hard mountain dews and then you settle in to watch uh uriah hall or whatever the latest the current UFC guy is on a Saturday night. They are uh, they're going to be releasing coming up next year. 
So you have to, to plan ahead. And they're teaming with Boston Beer Company, which makes Sam Adams and truly hard seltzer. Uh, okay. And I mean, just a million, uh, all the Angry Orchard uh, hard cider. So they make all kinds of alcohol. So you can trust them to take care of your hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> to take care of the Mountain Dew yeah. stuff. They're going to do classic uh, black cherry and watermelon. Oh, that's good. Jeez. Each of them at least contains zero sugar. There you go. So it's that's a, a bonus. It's a diet option. <laughs> you don't even have to worry about the calories. It is something you have to remember because with as you know Mountain Dew and stuff, they all they, it all looks the same anyway. Yeah. So it's very hard. You have to pay attention. And I'm sure they'll card you anyways. Uh-huh. But there was this one. One uh, TikTok of this lady, she'd been sober for like years and years and uh-huh. years and years, and she went to a party, and they had this alcoholic uh, kombucha or something, okay. and no one knew, <laughs> and it was a sober party, yeah. but they thought it was just a natural drink, uh-huh. and they didn't see in the very bottom corner yeah. that it said contained tiny little print, yeah. and they even had non, like this company had mostly non-alcoholic versions yeah. of the same drug drink that had like the same art on it uh-huh so they just were like wait what <laughs> and i mean obviously it doesn't count it doesn't ruin but uh yeah. you know it, everybody was shocked like you look at these things and you got to notice yeah. that well, it's not a new mountain dew flavor with so many different varieties of mountain dew and mm-hmm. they're all like they got the breakfast version now like the rise which is different from kickstart even though they're the same you know in a way and it's just like you could easily, so easily, you're going in for your morning breakfast energy drink. Your morning and in- dew. Instead, <laughs> you're like, ooh, look at this new variety. <laughs> and and you go and it's like, why are they carding me? And you, could, I guess you could talk yourself into, well, yes, it's just so, no. so much energy in it. There's just so much <laughs> that this is not safe for children. And all of a sudden, you don't realize. All of a sudden, you're drinking a watermelon hard Mountain Dew for breakfast. Did you see? And everybody? that's a crazy way to start your day. Some of the tweets they featured underneath was, "I'm 32 years old. If I try to drink the hard Mountain Dew, I'm pretty sure I'll die." <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this person thought hard Mountain Dew next will have spiked Cheetos. That's true. Oh, I like the memes of the after drinking one sip of hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> and it's just uh, some classic people. Yeah. is It It feels like, I don't know if that is a picture of Kid Rock, but that's it what it feels like. like. It, it does. Is. Yeah, I wondered. Yeah. Kid Rock out there just strutting. And they're like, if the new Mountain Dew doesn't include uh, Baja Blast in the future, we ride at dawn. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> that would be ideal. But I mean. Hey, you know what? It's not as if people haven't been making their own hard Mountain Dew for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's there's some moonshine out there you can mix in. (laughs) Oh, some dew shine. The riot has now been downloaded. Uh, I hope you installed some antivirus. This is the worst of the riot podcast. Almost feel it. College football season is drawing closer, and you know it's getting here when you see the... Top 25 preseason poll come out. Mm -hmm. This is the coaches poll uh, from USA Today where they actually are are, consists of votes from college football coaches themselves. And the number one team. Oh, I thought it was about the, the coaches. <laughs> Which no. coaches are the best? Like, okay, good. So we're not like judging the team. No. We're judging the coach. Just okay, the coach. it's well, from them. I see. In some ways, it might as well be. Uh, but this year, <laughs> well, stop me if this sounds familiar. Number one, Alabama. They always are. Number two, Clemson. 
Number three, Oklahoma. Four, Ohio State. Five, Georgia. It's the they just. I don't think the coaches actually put in votes. They just republished the same poll oh, from, from the, the last just copy and five paste. years. Yeah, copy, just and, copy paste and paste it. it. Yeah, that's so, it. Isaiah, do you feel like that's a that's the common uh, top five coach poll? Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty typical. I mean, if it had been anything else, I think it would have been much more shocking. There's nothing here that I really like disagree with, just uh-huh. because. It, it's so there's so many new players coming in every single year. Yeah. That's the huge difference. Well, with how can you football. disagree with the coaches? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How can you disagree with them? But well, yeah, so I it's, think it's pretty people, good. Uh, disagree with that statement sometimes. <laughs> yeah. What did? So are you an Ohio State fan? I'm assuming. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. So do you feel slighted then that you're not in first? I, I don't feel. Do you feel, even I don't get feel a first slighted. place first first place vote? We didn't get a single first place vote. Alabama got 63 Whoa. of the 65. Yeah. Oh my god. So they kind of dominated that, which was expected. I think it's a pretty fair spot. I mean, you look at us losing Justin Fields and having a brand-new quarterback. Oklahoma jumped us there to the three spot, but they have a quarterback coming back and Spencer Rattler. It's probably going to be a top-ten pick in the draft this year, so that's kind of why they get the nod there. And then Clemson, they even got to see their brand-new quarterback after losing Trevor Lawrence play a little bit last year, and he looked fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, there's nothing really to argue about. I mean, before the, the first week, it really means nothing so far. Yeah. Once they start playing the games, it's just too bad we'll find out. That we're going to have to, like, as fun as it is to watch college football all season, we might as well, this might as well be the same poll from the final week of the season. Yes. Because <laughs> these are always the teams. Because it used to be like, you you don't know, the preseason poll doesn't mean anything. The team that's number one, they won't wind up. But the last like five, 10 years where it's literally just Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, and that's always the five, it, do, it does kind of, uh, you know. It kind of harshes the excitement if you're not a fan of one of those five teams or if you're just a fan of things of some variety. Sure. Uh, Yes. But so on that note, Isaiah, if you pay attention to college football a lot, do you have a team outside of the top five that we can watch out for that might might shake it up? That some of us can be hopeful about getting a different team in the mix? I I hate to say this, but the only teams that are outside of the top five that I would consider kind of dangerous, Notre Dame— is one they made, obviously, the college football playoff yeah. last year. They're always a dangerous team that you never really know what you're going to get from them, but mm-hmm. they do have a, a really, really strong roster. Yeah. And the other one that I love, and this would be such a fun team to root for, uh-huh. just because, number one, their jerseys are phenomenal. Uh-huh. They have a beautiful blue, and that's the North Carolina Tar Heels. There they have a go. really, really good quarterback um, who's supposed to be one of the top ones ones of this season. So he's like kind of the X factor that their team isn't fantastic, but he's just so darn good right. that he could carry them into possibly the top four. I hope they do well just because it'd be so cool to have a yeah. different team in the top four or in the top five. Uh, but those are pretty much the only two teams outside of the top ten that as of right now I see really threatening any of them. Yeah, they, North Carolina would definitely be interesting. And again, they are the main of not only challenger to Clemson in the yep. ACC. So it'd just be fun to get somebody else in there. I also... Some people are saying Cincinnati. They've got a tough, couple tough games at the beginning of the year. They play Notre Dame and somebody else, like a major school. Mm-hmm. But if they get through those two. Oh, yeah, that means Notre Dame's not the major school. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I thought you say that. They've got, they got Notre Dame and, and somebody else from a major it's conference. It's the Peacock, isn't it? Yeah, is the it? Peacock. <laughs> and then, but then after that, 
since they're in a weaker conference, if they get those two big wins at the beginning of the year, be, they got a really good team, and they might be able to kind of skate through and finally shake things up, be one of those outsider schools to get into the – and they've got a really good quarterback too. So maybe Cincinnati this year. So that's the coaches poll, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Georgia for the top five. Yes, and the, to confirm, yes, that is this year. You're not – this isn't a segment <laughs> from 2018. It's not 2016. 2017. <laughs> It's it's 2021. Well, at least they don't have to change the graphics and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's actually an easy thing. That's right. <laughs> Everything you love about the Riot plus a handy-dandy fast-forward option. This is the Worst of the Riot podcast. NASA supposed to be going to the moon in a couple of years. Remember that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yes, we do, Hudson. We sure. really, uh, We remember. <laughs> we were hoping Nikki would be the one that would get to go. Oh, my gosh. They'd be like, first off, they'd have to cut the feed. Because <laughs> it'd be embarrassing. Oh, come on. Even if I got to wear one of the new NASA um, spacesuits, uh-huh. that actually might make it worse. <laughs> I don't oh. want to wear that. <laughs> no, well, now you can't wear one of the new spacesuits. Even if, even if you wanted to. You couldn't because the new spacesuits are delayed, which is calling into question whether they will actually be able to do the moon landing in 2024. Oh, do they have to have these suits to apparently, do it? Or? Apparently, they're, uh, this is an, expect, an inspector general report says the lunar grade astronaut suits are behind schedule. As is everything else. Yeah, they're actually having a lot of other delays, <laughs> and it's not even just NASA. It's just everywhere. We're all having supply delays, and because of that, if they can't get the suits ready in time, I mean, the astronauts got to wear something. They do. They have, and, so they can't wear the old ones? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I was wondering, too. Just get them out of the museum or whatever. I'm sure Go they to can the Smithsonian, them. break them out, and uh, just use the old ones. They worked... They were good enough for the astronauts in 1969. Well, they Are might, we too good for that now? Maybe they've been compromised, like you need to have new ones. Uh-huh. I'm not sure, but NASA's on track Ralph to spend. Ralph Lauren didn't design them or oh, whatever. Oh, like for the Olympics? Yeah, right. <laughs> to spend more than $1 billion on spacesuit development by the time these two suits are ready. They said it would be April 2025 at the earliest. So because of these delays, um, that's you know down the road then at that point. NASA's trying to get people, astronauts, uh, to the surface of the moon for the first time since 1972. What, have they not had enough time to plan? You know, you know, things like, I mean, the, what, are we going to complain about this and then you can't get chicken wings? Like right. everybody's just, and the movies get pushed for two <laughs> more years. Like everything's just delayed. It's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, people always used to say, uh, like if some simple thing wasn't working, you'd be like, they can put a man on the moon, mm-hmm. but they can't make an oven mitt that doesn't get burnt, burn me when it gets wet or something, you know? <laughs> well, NASA's already spent $420 million. I'm hearing a lot of big numbers. Yeah. Uh, since 2007, but they need more. They say that the suit's design and purpose has changed repeatedly over the years. Uh-huh. And NASA's priorities in space change usually with new administrations uh-huh. and the spacesuit needs to be tailored for its um, upcoming designs for what we want to do on the moon. Mm. So the spacesuit really needs to go with it, which is why we can't really use the old one from the seventies. So somebody's coming in and saying what the, the spacesuit, I guess 
we had a plan in place. Mm-hmm. We had a suit that we were working on, and now it's like, well, actually, we have a different plan, and so they have to come up with a different suit. Is that, that what I'm hearing? seems to be the issue. It, it changes with people as they come and go in the space program, and yeah. now they're just uh, delayed, so one day they'll get there. Yeah, so now, now that, uh, like I said, now that people... Can't say the man on the moon thing anymore. You know what I mean? Because it's like, (laughs) well, I can't be mad about that because they're not able to put a man on the moon anymore. I know they did it once, but they can't anymore. So I can't be upset. If you never thought you could associate with NASA in any way, you have to feel like uh, some days I feel like I have nothing to wear. Uh, But (laughs) NASA, they literally have nothing for the astronauts. And they have to have so many meetings Mm -hmm. and all kinds of uh, design. You know, they just go over things millions and millions of times. So that that sounds like a horrible job, doesn't it? <laughs> Not just because of this. Yeah, for <laughs> I don't a lot of reasons. Be in space, <laughs> and you're an astronaut, and you just want to go, and they're like, "No, we don't have clothes for you." Dude, I'd go in the meeting, and be like, "Can I just wear leggings, please? Just let me wear <laughs> leggings in space. It'll be fine. I'll be. I'll, I'll I'll risk whatever happens. It'll be comfortable at least. <laughs> no, if I if I have a problem, I'll at least not uh, be upset because I'm wearing the suit. Yeah. <laughs> you were one of the lucky few who missed the riot when they were live. Yet here you are. I also like to live dangerously. This is the worst of the riot podcast. You're a connoisseur of Asian culture, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I am. So are you familiar with Japanese toilet shoes? Uh, to- <laughs> well, the toilets are like something. Uh-huh. But I didn't know they have their own shoes that come with you them. You didn't know? I didn't know this. Neither did I, but apparently it is a, a long-standing thing the story goes that before we had our Western toilet uh-huh. style, Jap- Japanese style toilets, they're more simple, right? Like they're just kind of a ho- lower hole in the ground uh, type well, of thing. Like now they're very much advanced. Yes, right. So now they're all the bells and whistles. But traditionally before that, and still in many uh, Japanese homes, there is a different style of toilet that I guess is lower to the ground. Uh, some would call it here a squatty potty, according to this, mm-hmm. uh, because you really would have to squat down. Which I don't have the leg muscles. No, for, so. that's it. Feels like uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be very accessible to a sure, lot of not, not people. For us. But what, another issue that comes with that is it could be a little more messy, which is why in Japan toilet slippers are a thing, a, a tradition. Of you would have a pair of shoes, if not more than one, maybe more for your different family members uh, that would sit around the bathroom. And then when you had to go, you put on the toilet slippers. And everybody knew you were going to the bathroom. Yeah, everybody knew. <laughs> You're like, where are you going? Nothing. I hope you, you forget to take them off. Yeah, then you come back. Yeah, that really defeats the purpose. Well, now, again, like you mentioned, their toilets have advanced. Now they have, in many cases, even fancier toilets than we do oh, here with the bidets and everything. Ours to shame. Yeah, we're really behind on the toilet technology in the United States, and it is. It's pathetic, really, that we don't take that more seriously. So are slippers still, or are they becoming popular even if you have the more modern toilet? Uh, well, that's the question. And there was actually a recent survey done of 2,000 Yahoo Japan users Aww, uh, about they're still using Yahoo, though. Whether, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you need your own slippers for. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't want to track that around. They asked whether slippers are still necessary for household toilets in Japan. Yeah. 61% said yes, so 38% said no. Basically, they just think it's uh, unsanitary to not have them. Yep. 
Uh, but seventy-five percent I mean, of people said, "Yeah, that said that you do need to use them." Said you should use them because they are be sanitary. Yeah, in uh, Japan, you know, in in other areas, like slippers are a thing. You wouldn't mm-hmm. wear your shoes in the house, right? Uh, that's common. So you must have to have a few pairs of slippers in designated areas. Yeah, some people said that they you have don't your house slippers. Yeah, <laughs> they said that they actually will have. They don't want to share their house, their uh, <laughs> their toilet, toilet slippers. slippers. They don't want to share them with guests, ah. so they have to have a separate a separate set for if they have people coming over, or I mean, just bring your own. Yeah, I guess. B y o b y o t s. Bring your own toilet slippers. Again, I'm very aware of the house slippers, but uh-huh. I didn't know they had the toilet ones as well. And uh, is that going to be a thing here? Like, we just don't have slippers like yeah, we, well, everybody I, else does. It doesn't matter what kind of toilet you have. You definitely can be some uh, splashback, you could say. <laughs> so you don't want to track that around everywhere. You don't just need toilet slippers. You need toilet like rain boots. They should come up to your knees. You should put waders. Um, you need waders to go into. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls and you take the boat ride and they give you the plastic uh, poncho? Uh-huh. You just have to have that around your whole area. You have that. Yeah, that's... Just put the poncho on the toilet. It's sanitary <laughs> and then you hang it up uh, in the bathroom when you're done. But it, the funny thing is, so of course, like we said, 61% of people think they still need the toilet slippers, but like 50% of people uh, said that they clean them. The slippers? Like that's it. Fifty percent of people said they clean. Well, I would. Just so the other. So you're just a, taking your, your bathroom laundry. slippers in. You take your bathroom slippers in. They get all of the any kind of remnants on them. You know, any kind of anything that misses the mark, and then they just never get washed. Okay. I am starting to wonder, like, what's going on? Yeah, really. I, mean, I, sh- I don't think there should be that much of a problem, but. Uh, if you have toilet slippers, mm-hmm. then that is something to think about if you're worried about yeah. the cleanliness of if it. You're, you, if you have them, you might as well wash them. The riot isn't all bad, but this is the worst of the riot. Radio U. Uh, we all know that there's all kinds of supply chain issues. Shortages are going around. Restaurants are having a tough time. Uh, they've got a shortage, not just of workers, but a lot of times of all the different food items that they need. And McDonald's, uh, God love them. They've been doing a pretty good job <laughs> of... Uh, what? I don't know. What? I don't know why. I don't know why. They just seem very, like, grown up. Yeah. God love them. <laughs> That's always the... the that's something you say before you're just about to totally something dump on somebody. <laughs> but it should be a good thing. But I guess it's just saying that God loves them even despite all of their terrible, terrible failures. Which I don't think they're, I mean, do they have a lot? No, sure. I was gonna Who say, doesn't? Yeah, right. <laughs> McDonald's is just like any one of us. Are all the same. But McDonald's, I was just going to say, for all the other restaurants having their issues, McDonald's has done a pretty good job of keeping at least... The supply shortages to a minimum. Yeah, and they where are you also haven't noticed that too much. We haven't noticed it. I think that's mm-hmm. the key. Uh, there was some uh, little talk of some chicken switches here or uh-huh. there, some <laughs> this and that's. But well. uh, for the most part, um, it's at least to public knowledge mm-hmm. has been pretty good during some of the other places that have just you know look, uh, looking at you, Taco Bell. Yeah, if you go to the <laughs> Taco like, Bell website, they, they have just nothing. have a big banner that says, "We might not have what you want." Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I went to Starbucks the other day. Uh-huh. I was going to, and then I pulled up the app because I was going to order. It was literally almost everything was gone. <laughs> I was like, well, I just don't think I'll go right now. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, anybody who listens to this show, this isn't exactly a new revelation, but the way we talk, you would think that we're constantly just browsing fast food <laughs> websites and apps. And we're the not. truth is, we no, I was going to say we probably are. No. Oh, not all the time. I think most of the time. God love us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I God, think it's, it's God love us. us. Yeah. God love us. We're spending a lot of time on TacoBell.com for some uh, reason. But McDonald's. This is coming from the somebody who's looking forward to most on his vacation going to Bojangles and cookouts. So yeah, I know. It's only going to get worse. This is, this is just what we do. Well, McDonald's has come out with some news uh, that they are facing a shortage, which may or may not affect if you are a McDonald's user. Yeah, they still you say, might not notice it. They still say that they don't think this will be noticeable to many diners. But they are running out and telling restaurants to limit their orders of bags, to-go bags, Mm -hmm. and uh, straws. Straws are the other? I think you're going to notice if they don't have bags. (laughs) (laughs) They just start handing you burger. Here, here's your one burger. Here's your nuggets. Here's your (laughs) fry. But straws are easy because they forget to put them in the bag anyway. Yeah, that's true. So they can just play it off like that. But they say that this is mostly if you're going inside the restaurant. Yeah. They're going to stop using bags, which had been a pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go back to some areas, giving you your food again in McDonald's on a tray. Yeah, and if you if they're not giving you the straws, finally your straw your extra straw stash that you've been building up. <laughs> you can use that it. in the ketchup packages that you have in a drawer somewhere. It's going to pay off. Dude, I haven't been inside a McDonald's since I think I was a kid. Uh-huh. Like that just seems like how weird would that be? Uh I've I've ordered inside a McDonald's recently because I was trying to get free stuff. Oh, and it's And the easier. app wasn't working as well to put it in online. There it it was giving me a lot of guff. So you went in. So I went in and said, "Here, Here's the coupon. I want my free sandwich. Give it to me yeah. now. Yeah, and they were very nice, and they did give me the free sandwich. So well, That's good. But it, it looks a lot different than you might remember. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So if you go inside, that's where you might notice it, where they gave everybody a bag for a while, uh-huh. uh, but you'll go back to getting a tray. Yeah, usually if you're going inside McDonald's, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it means they on. probably messed something up, or you're not having a good day. <laughs> It's just not I good. I always think it's for like the older people who want to go in and sit down and, and just drink like, the, co- the drink senior coffee. coffee all day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah just texted. They'll give you like three different bags when they could have had given you just one. That's so, so true. Maybe that would be helpful if they didn't. Or, you know, we could bring our own grocery bag and they can yeah. just throw it in there. I've also got a drawer full of those. Yeah, so that'd be perfect. All the, the people like me that have been preparing, we've been ready for this moment with our grocery bag drawer and our <laughs> straw drawer and our ketchup drawer and the worst is the straw drawers at home when you don't need the straws at home you should keep them in the car that's right what am i doing we've got plenty to keep us going there's a lot to learn here <laughs> it's the worst of the riot on radio U. Nikki, I've got some space news for you. More space news? Yeah, Yay! and you don't even have to go to space for this one. <laughs> what is this one about? Uh, tonight is the peak of the Perseid meteor shower. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, you're going to... Uh, the fun thing for us is, 
it happens overnight, and when we come in before the sun comes up, yeah, and so we can just watch it while oh, we drive. We don't we have to make to? special plans. Oh, that's good. Even though I feel like, uh, what is it, light noise? I'm in an area where anything that's fun that's happening by mm-hmm. looking up anytime, yeah, I I go out and I'll be like, I don't see anything. you can't see it. <laughs> I can't Aww. see anything. I I always uh, I always from my house. I always feel that I can see the sky very well oh, from, can. from compared to where I used to live. And I didn't move that far out of town. Mm. I'm still really in the city, but for some reason, man, it feels like I'm out in the wilderness You're out and farther. I can just see, see up at the stars. So peak time for the uh, shower <laughs> will be tonight. And then on Friday, premium viewing hours. <laughs> They say this. What is this? The Perseid Meter Shower Plus? Yeah, like what? What am I uh, getting seats for? They're, uh, yeah, they're <laughs> describing it as if it's a, you know, as if it's a movie or something. It'll be midnight to dawn Thursday morning on the twelfth. You can gain premium so access. Premium yeah. access if you stay up past midnight to- so it, tonight and tomorrow. Is it? Just a meteor shower, then? Is that what yeah. we're looking for? Oh, just a meteor shower? I, I didn't the know majesty of the cosmos isn't I enough for you, know. Nikki. I just want to make sure I wasn't looking for something else. <laughs> I want to know ahead of time. It's meteors. Okay. It is shooting stars. I hate space stuff. I don't it know. Is <laughs> giant rocks zipping through the sky, millions of miles per hour, probably. I don't so know. Are you and just- it's creating a majestic. Hey, can I tell you? Otherworldly. I, display. I have seen more meteor showers in Animal Crossing uh-huh. than in real life. So, so that's sad. It, I need to just know the details. You need to step out. I will go outside. I'll turn my back and I'll do <laughs> Why are we... <laughs> Turn the buttons like I would an Animal Crossing. These days, it seems that we're all so buried in our Nintendo Switches and our phones that we can't take a moment to look up at the sky and Mm -hmm. see a beautiful meteor shower. So it looks like each day the rest of this week, but remember the premium viewing hours will be between midnight and dawn uh, tomorrow. Well, I guess do they mean tomorrow morning or do they mean like Friday morning? Starting tonight. Uh, before before the sun comes up tomorrow, before mm-hmm. the show starts tomorrow, is when we want to be watching it. So in some areas, they say, like they were pointing out, if you're in the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. 40 to 45, um, if you count what you could see yeah. uh, within that time. For, so. Yeah, for the rest of the Midwest. So there you go. For, if you're in uh, the California, like West Coast is 30 to 40. Basically, you should get at least 30 meteors an hour. Ugh overnight tonight. The definition of insanity is putting the riot on again and again and expecting a better result. It's the worst of the riot on Radio U. I saw this quote today and it's something that I feel I talk about fairly often and it sums it up pretty well uh, because it's probably somebody a lot smarter than I am. The guy's name is Reverend John Howard Johnson This is something he wrote during the 50s. I don't know who the guy is. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's still alive, but this is what he said, what he wrote, is to insist on focusing attention on the evil in others will not eradicate it from our own lives. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, isn't that? Oh, because a lot of time... Some people like to focus on mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yep, I think. As the, a way to make, uh, you know, you look back at yourself sometimes yeah. feel better. The truth is we all know we have our own failures and our own issues and whatever. But Growing areas. I think that, I mean, obviously it's not a conscious decision most of the time, but we get so caught up 
in canceling other people or canceling the cancelers. You know, we just get so caught up in the other people and what they're doing. And if we can get them punished for their actions, that's our way of kind of growing and Mm -hmm. purifying. But the truth is what we each need to do is find a way to grow ourselves and stop looking so much about other people's issues because solving their problems and getting their issues out of there and putting them out in the open is not going to solve your own issues. And we all have them, but this is, uh, and something that Reverend John Howard Johnson also he got to is that if you want to grow, if you want to change, it's not about looking at other people and seeing what they're doing wrong. It's looking at God and seeing how he can change you. Jesus wants to work in your life. And and again, if we're all honest, we all know we have our own failures and our own issues that we need to deal with. And God has a way to address those. Jesus loves you with all of your flaws that are already baked in. And he's not going to get upset with you over that, but he wants to help you grow out of it. Jesus wants to help you change, help you become better than you are right now. And it's not about worrying about other people. It's about worrying about yourself. Jesus is ready to come in and say, I can make things better for you. Stop being so concerned with everyone else and let's concern yourself with you because that's the only thing you can control. So start talking to God. Let him come into your life. Say, hey, Jesus, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready to find something different and I want to find it from you. Let God start talking to you and go from there. And if you want to know more, Head to RadioU.com slash free gift. What was his quote again? I feel like it deserves a, a yeah, second mention. It is uh, <laughs> to insist on focusing attention on the evil in others will not eradicate it from our own lives. Thanks for listening to the Worst of the Riot podcast. Oh no, I missed it. Do it again. You can hear us live every day on the Radio U Network through the Radio U app or at riot.radiou.com. episode please leave us a review on itunes are you expecting a child tax credit deposit and spend it securely with the bbnt money account prepaid card it makes managing your everyday spending easy. Apply for a prepaid card at bbnt.com slash money account. Hello, everybody. This is Greg and Clint. We're going to do another commute. This time on, what'd you buy, Clint? A uh, Fallout RPG. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. Sorry. Pickup. That's cool. Squirrel. That was a Sorry. nice, nice that was pickup. Nice, nice restored Sorry, Chevy. Yeah. This will um, happen while we drive. Well, yeah, so. well, because it's, it's a mobile commute. We're actually driving, commuting. We're actually commuting somewhere too. We even have a destination. Not only do we have a destination, I have a nice coffee. And oh, yeah. you have a coffee. We have coffee, and we're good. Um, you know, three quarters of a tank of fuel, and we're, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you'll hear some trip. clicking and probably a little whooshing from the air conditioner because it is a little bit warm. So got the air on just to kind of tone it down a little. But let's be. Let's just. Because we want to cruise in style, Clint. Well, that's, yeah. So. I mean, I do have a Platinum Edition truck. We should be cruising in style. That's it. Rub it in. So, yeah, yeah. He's got a Platinum Edition truck, and I have a 71 Ford Pinto. But the Pinto I wouldn't mind run. a 71 Ford Pinto. <laughs> Especially a wagon, one of the panel wagons. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. A panel wagon. Those would be fun. 
Yeah, I know we were getting to the RPG, so here we are <laughs> role playing that we have <laughs> we vintage have vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I did want to touch on base on RPGs. Only RPGs. Oh my god. Only because the uh, there's two drops coming soon. We're going to have the Fallout RPG, not the Fallout Wasteland Warfare RPG, but the actual Fallout RPG. Same company, but still, this is the role-playing game itself, very much based on Fallout 4 versus the miniature game. No miniatures are actually needed or required would, in this game. I was just going to ask you, did, no miniatures, because like some can. of them do. So yeah. optional, but you don't have to have yeah, as long as you got the, the rules. The way that they're doing combat, and I'll touch on that here in a little bit, you don't really need miniatures. It's not necessary. Um, the miniatures probably add the flavor, and, you know, it would be fun to kind of use that red rocket station. But for the most part, really, the the game is, is meant to stand alone with it, and it does use a unique system. The other thing is September was supposed to be the release for Twilight 2000 4th Edition. I've not seen any updates recently, but I'm hoping they're still sticking to their September date. So we've got that coming as well, and, and we'll definitely do an unboxing, or in this case, untinning, because I got the tin instead oh, of the did box. You? Oh, okay. yeah, I ordered the tin for that one. And before, since I might have a little extra money, I may go ahead and order the GM screen. I, I'm still on the fence. I don't well, know if I'll need the GM screen for that one or not, but if I can get it with the Kickstarter release, I might still just do that. Well, do they give you the option? Sometimes they still allow you yeah, to they'll, add they'll, last minute. Every Kickstarter I've done, right before they start doing their, their wave releases, they reopen the pledge manager so you can order extra stuff in case you want it. So I'm kind of hoping that's the way it goes because I got the tin and the dice set uh, as part of my pledge. So for this is Twilight 2000. This is for Twilight 2004 so edition, yeah. Is, is, is it going to be a hardcover book or a softcover? It is the hardcover rule book. Um, it's just got a really cool metal tin that it comes in along with um, any of the extra stuff like the, the the oh my god my brain the story art this the starter scenario and stuff like that oh okay so All there'll right. be a few things and probably a t I think it comes with a token set for some of the stuff so we'll touch more on that later I really want to touch on the Fallout because Fallout was supposed to release mid August to the end sometime September so we could see Fallout drop any time now and and I have the uh, PDF of the core rulebook I went ahead and got that off drive through RPG as well as pre-ordered the rulebook the game master's kit which comes with maps uh, a pad of character sheets that that's really why I wanted the game masters because it comes with like a pad with a hundred character sheets on it well let's see that's cool though and because if you have the character sheets the, that adds fun to the it also character sheet is Jesus. brilliant so and well, you guys can't see this. I, I can show Greg real quick. Because I actually have that stored on the phone. The character sheet. Well, at least you're pulling over. So yeah. that's good. Looks oh, wow. based, based very much on the video game. So well, the, the role-playing game is is very based on Fallout 4. It does have that complete Fallout yeah. feel to it. Holy yeah. cow. It's, it's awesome. And the character creation that, looks stupid simple. Is that a map behind it there? Yeah, that's the map. So that's the, the screenshot I showed you. That's the uh, Game Master's kit. I just zoomed in on the... Oh, nice. The, uh, so I know you guys can't see it, but the yeah. character sheet's nice. Yeah, and that's, that's the nice, pad of man. it. So there's like, I don't know, 50 or... I want to say there's 100, but it might only be 50. Still, more character sheets than I'm ever going to need for our group. 
or in any group I run in that case. Um, since I did have the PDF, I sat down real quick and the wife and I were talking about RPG stuff anyway and I went through roles for this because it is a rule system I'm not familiar with. It, it, they call it the 2D20 rule system. So your, your skill checks and everything, you're rolling at least 2D20. Two. 2d20s. Yep, 2d20. checking. Or doing skill tests and other okay. things. Now, it's reversed from all the other games that generally use d20s where low is preferable or really good and high is bad. So if you roll, I'll start with the bad first, if you roll a natural 20 on your d20s, something bad happens. Game master's discretion, basically. Oh, so wow. it's a critical failure. If you roll a 1, it's a critical success. But unlike the other games how you determine your successes and everything is a little different. So, in a nutshell, skill checks are your attribute plus your skill, like just about every other role-playing game. That is your target number. So let's say, for ease of math, your attribute's 5, your skill is 5. Doesn't matter what it is at that point. So, so you, got you got a 10. You roll, automatically roll 2d20. You need a 10 or less on those dice. So, if each dice comes up with 10 or left, Less, you have two successes. What if it comes up? So, if it comes up with more than ten on that, you're rolling a twenty-seven. Then, then you then. didn't succeed. You, you so it's only, you so know. it gives you two chances to succeed, or yep. two chances you could fail both. Yep. Okay. Quite possibly. Oh wow, that guy's got his own pawn. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I love the house that, too. That's nice. So, and everything is so instead of needing a target number to beat the changes, the target number is always your attribute plus your skill. Always. So, the Game Master determines the level of difficulty, and it's determined by how many successes do you need on your rolls. Ranges from zero, being an automatic success, you just do something naturally, like breathe, and you're going to succeed, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, if it's simple. Um, to a, a five, so you, need, you may need five successes, because you're trying to hack some sort of high-tech computer lock, uh, on a system you've never seen before and you have almost no working knowledge of a computer, then you're going to need five successes. Now, interesting note then, if you're only rolling 2d20, how do you get five successes? Yeah. Uh -huh, good question. question. I'm glad you asked, Greg. Oh, well, geez, I was just going to ask. There you go. So Smart if, ass. You know, since a d20, uh, since a 20 is a natural failure, obviously a one is a, a critical success. So, when you roll a natural 1 on the d20, you get two successes automatically. So, that's cool. Okay. Okay, but what if you only need one success, and you roll two ones, giving you four successes? Well, what do you do with those extra successes, Greg? I've never had extra successes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, in this game system, the extra successes become action points. So, oh, what can you do with action points, you might ask? Well, one, you can purchase extra D20 rolls. You can? You can. So, oh, up to right. three action points can be spent to buy three extra D20 rolls, which means you can roll up to five D20s for a skill check. Now, wow, that's, that, that's nice. Well, and say you get lucky enough to roll five ones, that's ten action points, or ten successes. If you only needed one success, that's nine action points to go in your pool. Now, that's a lot of extra action points. What else can you do with action points? Well, I'm glad you asked, Greg. 
my god. <laughs> I know, I'm a little, Cle- I'm a little ahead of you about guys, this. But yeah. yeah. So action points are spent during combat. Okay. So you spend an action point to perform an action in combat. Or one or two actions. So having a pool of action points is good. Um, well, it's good that it gives you a chance to, A, accumulate them and use them. Mm-hmm. So you're not just rolling, and if you have extra, you lose it on that turn. Yep. I like that. So that's then you, pretty brilliant. Yeah, so then you could apply it to something else down the road. That works. That's that's a beautiful thing. Now, combat is an interesting subject. I know we discussed that, so I'm not going to do the funny, glad you asked, Greg. But, well, sure, why not? Sure. So combat, like any other RPG, uh, generally just banks off the original, the regular rule system, and you do still have to roll your d20 to succeed in you know using your guns or whatever. But the weapons don't necessarily have range. There's no... Uh, oh, this is within so many inches, this is within so many inches. Because there's no need to measure anything. As the DM, when combat ensues, you have your little map or whatever in front of you, your little area, you break the map into what they call zones. Now, I'm going to use the Red Rocket as an example because everyone who knows Fallout knows the Red Rocket. So, for example, the garage, the garage part of the the Red Rocket station is going to be a zone. The office front piece is going to be a zone. The, the area where the fuel pumps are is going to be a zone. The okay. rocket up top is going to be a zone. The border area around it is going to be a zone. No no restriction on how big a zone can be. So just the GM determines what zone is. Your range, your weapons range go by zones. A pistol oh can shoot in the same zone that you are in, or I believe, just glancing at it, the zone, neighboring zone, so one zone off from you. Whereas a rifle could go two zones out, perhaps. So with a rifle, basically, you can shoot up into the third zone? Yep, as an example, yeah. Okay. Being able to hit your target is determined by line of sight. Can your figure where you are in your zone see your target? Are you in the office area of the Red Rocket shooting through the, the office window at a target that's by the pumps or standing by the frame supports for the Red Rocket? If you can see the opt, the target, you can shoot at the target. Now, here's an interesting thing about cover. If a part of the, the character isn't concealed, so let's say you're hiding behind one of the support pillars for the red rocket, but your right leg is exposed. Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. Bam, you can shoot the right leg. Okay. So, if you notice on the character sheet, you had arms, legs, torso, head for the character, which means all those locations have separate damage, just like in Fallout 4. I know, but that kind of reminds me a little bit of Battletech. Yeah, funny how that works. Huh. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. I see a lot of elements of other games in this. Well, that, I mean, so if you damage a limb, okay. So then you're going to have those effects from a damaged limb. If you blow a limb off, obviously, you can't use it. Okay. Now, well, the, that's, this is interesting, yeah. man. So this could play out pretty in, pretty well, So really. the interesting element with Fallout, the, for the Fallout game here is, you don't have to be human. You can play as one of the robots. So you could be 
a Mr. Handy. So you would actually pick what your arms are. And if a limb gets blown off and you had the torch in that limb, for example, then you don't, you don't have the torch anymore. But, well, that's good in one way. Because it might be extra burden like that. Yeah. Here comes us, the stupid joke, but you don't want to be carrying a torch for other players, right? That's true. You, know, <laughs> you want to be carrying the torch for yourself. Yeah. Okay, I'm so, sorry. There's just yeah, some things okay. I, can't, I can't avoid no. trying to laugh at, but yeah. Which also is interesting. So say you are just wandering around the wasteland and you run across a really angry death claw. You can headshot it. You can blow an oh. arm off. A little hard for it to claw you to death if there's no arm. Now, granted, it's still got giant teeth. But yeah, death claws in the game are hard. They're going to be hard in this one, too, I imagine. I haven't really looked at the stats for the creatures or anything. I haven't delved into that. The rule book is like 458 pages. And there's a oh, lot of equipment and... Uh, a lot of the creatures and everything. Now, the equipment and the miscellaneous junk that you find in Fallout 4 translates to this game. Let, let's say you, you get into combat at the Red Rock Station. You kill the raiders who were fighting you. Now you can take their weapons. Now you can scavenge the Red Rocket Station. Let's say you find a couple bottles of coolant and, uh, I don't know, some ammo and just, you know, a roll of toilet paper for all intents and purposes. Well, toilet paper is good for yeah. emergencies. So yeah. it all has value in the game. It can be used to provide you resources or caps. You can trade it and sell it. it, it you will want to keep a notepad handy of all the junk you pick up. So so it's built into this RPG, mm -hmm. everything that's in the video game. Yep. So you can buy, sell, trade. You, you got it. It is basically Fallout 4 for pen and paper. It really nice. is. I mean, they're... From what I've read so far, it's just a beautiful, um, trans, beautiful uh, adaptation. That was the word I was looking for. Well, I'm interested in, in this 2D20 system. That's, yeah, I'm liking it. That's different than what, and I'm not an RPG master by any means. I only played a few of them, but that's just different than. It's a different way, I guess, of doing it. But I like the fact you can convert them to points. Yeah, and my so, my wife being a super big fan of the White Wolf system, where it's all D10, and you just need you roll the number of D10 and you count your successes, blah, 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 makes it very simple for the game master. This is a very similar premise, a little more record keeping, but not much, really. I mean, there's just not a lot more to it. I, I My wife was even like, okay, I'm down for this. This is cool. Yeah, Fallout's a, a good game. And when, when you guys, we have the Fallout Miniatures game, too. Yep. So, sad to say, we haven't had a chance to play it too many times. Clint's got the Red Rocket yep. Station, which... Really, you gotta finish because it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool train. Now piece. with the 3D printer, I think I can probably actually 3D print those supports. Oh yeah, so and, and so we there. could get it to prop up right because otherwise it's just not gonna work. I think, and we'll touch on 3D printing stuff later. But um, well, then back to the RPG part. So what what you have is you have some of the train for it. So that would be kind of cool yep. to set out. Now we could you were talking about. Uh, how does the map thing work on this? Well, it doesn't come with you, maps, you, or do you, you don't need a map if you don't want to. So um, you don't, don't most, have, to have anything. Most RPGers, the the GM will draw out a map of some yeah, sort, even yeah, just yeah. on graph paper, whatever. As long as the GM breaks the map into zones, that is how the mechanics work. So it's based on zones. It's all based like on you the were zones, talking about it, and it's the GM's fighting. decision okay. or responsibility to assign the zones. The players don't assign that; the GM does. 
and that's just for record keeping purposes and to determine how far your weapon can actually function. Obviously a melee weapon is probably going to be zone, one. zone you're in yep. or possibly in the case of like a spear or something, the, the neighboring zone. You know, and you still can't have any objects in the way. You're obviously not going to melee through a wall. Well, not without a little work. Well, anything's possible, but so you don't... Yeah, this sounds interesting to me because the game itself is fun. You know, the video game. Yeah. And the tabletop version is interesting because it has its own built-in AI, you guys. So if you don't know much about it, you can play against yourself. And if you do it correctly, oh. you can't cheat either. Yeah, Wasteland Warfare, yeah. Yeah, you're not yeah, cheating it either. It, it'll... The things... Whatever's in the game will attack you and you're not... Uh, yeah, so this is cool. So you already have some of the stuff to go with it to add visual yeah, effects. Yeah, we, we could if I wanted to. I but probably, you don't have to. I this. probably won't, to be honest. At least most of my RPG group, if I, I do a rough sketch map, this building's here, there's rocks here, this is here. You know, usually I, I have a pad of graph paper. I draw out the, uh, the, the rough map and then just kind of determine where things are at. I like this zone concept. So much so that I might actually incorporate it into other games like, and I dare say, D&D. Because I've always found, I love the maps for D&D, and I think it's really cool. And usually we just put a little chip or something that indicates what characters where. But I like this idea of this being this, this being this, this being this. I can easily make the weapons convert to what will reach where. Well, but, you could do that too, because I mean, that's the thing with RBGs. Yeah. If everybody agrees, you can pretty much run it. We'll definitely do an unboxing once I get the books, or an unbooking in this case. An Same unbooking. with an unbooking, yeah. Um, because I'm get I've got everything, including the, the Fallout dice, because they're just cool. I mean, they're blue and yellow, and they're all Volteki looking. And that's pretty cool. You know. And then the Twilight 2001. I'm interested to see that too, because you said it comes in a tin. So yep. it, does the tin have artwork on that one? Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's um okay. it's um embossed. Uh, you know, the tin is. Is it like a military it's, thing? It's, yeah, it's got a military thing, but the tin actually, it isn't just a flat tin with painted. There's actually raised areas for the illustration in the tin. So it's like your tin from all your high-end cookies and stuff where they've got the raised cookie in the, in the metal and everything. So it's so a it's, nice tin. It's a really nice tin. It, it, you, you paid more in your backing for it, but I think it was worth having just because I really enjoy the game. Yeah, but you enjoy it. See, that's the key. So people are going to spend money on whatever so you could go yep. out and spend a hundred thousand dollars on an rv because yep. you like rving right yep so if you're going to spend a few bucks on rpg no. stuff with, well. with twilight 2000 i also do see this is their their intention being to release a lot of the source books like they did for the original game you'll have an american weapons and equipment book you'll have a russian Amer weapons and equipment book british you know all that stuff that they had in the original game i do see there being more source books for this to really expand the game but well, it would help them to financially stay in the game so to speak yeah. because these game companies got to make money and people complain well why do they cost so much everything costs something mm -hmm. right so um yeah nothing's cheap if you if you like what you're doing then it's gonna cost you got to try to support them or then it goes away but this is some cool stuff you're talking about clint so we'll have to videotape that for sure. I think what we'll do with Fallout RPG is I want to do a video of character creation. So just a small group of us sit down, do do nothing but character creation. Because it looks like it's really stupid simple. 
then maybe we'll do a one-shot scenario. So we'll do a one one night or one sit-down scenario. Uh, like a practice run-through, run through, yeah. Just to kind of see the, the rules in action, how, how skill works. And maybe I'll do a simple, um, you guys are just on a little scavenging mission or whatever. I'm not going to do a big story arc with it. I just want to do something. We'll just do a sit-down where you know you can knock it out and get the basic yeah, stuff down and see how it plays. It's going to come yeah. with an introductory scenario anyway. And that sounds cool, but to me, reading what I know about the introductory scenario, it's kind of like the introduction to Fallout 4. Not exactly like it, but very similar. So I'm not seeing a bunch of variants there. Now, I could be wrong once I delve into it. I'm just going off what I have read so far. So I don't know how I feel about that, nor do I know if I want to set this actually in the same location as Fallout 4, because that's what the game is actually designed to be set in. The setting is basically... Uh, it, it's basically the prequel to Fallout 4 video game. It's supposedly, you're still in the Commonwealth, but things are a little different than what's in the video game. First of all, the Brotherhood don't... You don't have the big Zeppelin coming in. The Institute is there, but the synths aren't prevalent like it is in Fallout 4. I, I think the Railroad is, is kind of a new thing, and the, uh, uh, the Minutemen are, are kind of just forming... I think is the way the RPG is. Now, again, I could be wrong. I haven't really read the, the any of the story arc stuff there because I, I was more focused on the rules, and that became my, my bigger area of interest. So, but, you know, once we get into it more, and we'll see what things are doing and where they're at with it. We'll definitely uh, touch more on it. I'm going to... I plan on dedicating a bit of our time to Fallout RPG because that's the one RPG I've been really really waiting for for a really long time well so i'm glad someone did it sounds like it's worth the wait i'm interested uh in that and generally i've just i haven't done a whole lot of the rpg stuff but some of the stuff i've done has been fun and this sounds pretty cool very nice yeah so well we'll, we'll for sure get that videoed when you get it and yeah. put it up on the youtube channel and um yeah I guess we can end this here, huh, Quinch? Yep. Since we're at our destination. Yeah, we areas, are at our destination. So. Out by a river, and I don't want to be taking a recorder out over here. No. But no. you guys, you can join us on the weekends on Sundays at 4 p.m. Central. We do the Gamer Hangout, so it's going to be on the Facebook group, the page, or YouTube. You can see it there and join in if you'd like. Until next time, Quint, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Game on, you guys. Yep. Have fun. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes.
Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 50 of the Casual Gamecast, a weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer brought to you by the team of Casual Game Content. I'm Phil Kyo. I'm Shane Bo. And guys, we have got a show for you. 50, 50 episodes, 50 consecutive weeks that we have been on the air. Shane, can you believe it? I'm so shocked, so surprised. I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really. I knew we'd get here. I knew we'd stay going. Mm-hmm. I knew we'd get better. I didn't think we'd be as good as we are by now, but I think we got this fairly down. Yeah, yeah, I think we do. I think we do. I think we just need to get it out in front of a couple of more million ears. But apart from that, ah, like, yeah, of course, know, we're, yeah. we're not doing bad. We're yeah, not we, doing bad. We, we could always use a couple of extra million listeners, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you got them lying around, could you throw them our way? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. It's been... Um, it's been awesome to say that, you know, we've gotten this far without missing a week. Um, we are at number 50, which is obviously a, a number that people associate as a milestone. But because we haven't missed a week and those of you at home who passed your leaving cert will remember there is 52 weeks in a year. So to me, that's the more interesting milestone. If we can go another two weeks without missing a week, we have gone a consecutive year of podcasts which in my head as somebody who had never podcasted before episode one is pretty impressive you know but having said that we're not going to let 50 go without marking it that that's not going to happen so let me just do the usual spiel and i'll explain what we're going to do if you have stumbled across this podcast for the first time you my friend have stumbled across what is by far the most casual of gaming podcasts on the interwebs a casual gamecast if you will and if this is your second, third, a million, 50th, I guess, more accurate time to be with us, welcome back. Because this week, to celebrate the 50th consecutive recording, we are going to do something that's been asked of us a couple of times in the past. In our community, in the Facebook community, in the Discord, and wherever, it's all down below in the descriptions. At Casual Game Co. is the, is the quickest way to say it. But we have been asked a couple of times... Since you guys do question of the week, which we pull a single question from that, could we ever consider doing a podcast that's just around questions? And it's something I would love to do. I think if there's more hours in the day, I'd have a second podcast that is just questions. That'd be class. Um, But what we're going to do is every so often, I think it's probably worth our while. And it's more fun. To just check in and take those questions and actually run with them. Even if it's just like one episode a month or one every couple of months or whatever. But to start things off, when is better to do it, Shane, than episode 50? Exactly. Just mark the milestone. This is something fun to mark the milestone. You hear us drawing on about game and news and stuff every week. And not that that's not exciting. We love talking about (laughs) game and news because we love games. You're really selling the show. I'm really, yeah, of course, (laughs) you know. I'm I'm humble, okay? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a good way. It's a fun way to mark the occasion because why not do something different for 50? You know, some people go out and, you know, buy their uh, red sports car at 50. We're going to do an all-question podcast. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But before we do any of that, we're still going to hit you up with the usual catch-up, the usual what we've been playing, what we've been watching. We'll take our break and then it's questions for the remainder baby so strap in if 
you want to be part of the question action moving forward do make sure you follow us at our socials we generally pull our questions from the casual game community on facebook that is our not our facebook page or facebook group so if you go to one make sure you go to the other as well and you can get to us in the discord which will be linked in the description below but shane whoo how has your week been my friend my week has been fine um i went to a pub at the weekend for the first time in like a year and a half indoor pub is it well, I'm not allowed to sit indoors because I'm not fully microchipped yet. But, yeah, um, me neither. I was allowed to sit in the smoking area outside, which doesn't bother me because my partner smokes, so we're usually in the smoking area. Anyway, and nowadays, gotcha. smoking areas are practically like the indoors of a pub. Yes, yeah, it's pretty comparable. As long as it's not like, you know, ridiculously raining and windy or whatever, yeah. it's pretty It's pretty nice. Yeah, well, I was in Kavanaugh's. You're familiar with Kavanaugh's. I am familiar yeah. with Kavanaugh's. That's um, like... That's like a small smoking area. Not like anymore. It's back. quite it's quite large now. Okay. There's been work done probably since the last time you were in it. And it's quite mm-hmm. large. It's fairly enclosed. I don't think he, it's one of those ones that's kind of like, no matter where you're sitting, you're not really ever going to get caught in the wind and rain. Gotcha. You know, gotcha, one of those gotcha. kind of smoking areas. It was nice. I don't think I missed the pub a whole lot after being back so, there. So have you never, you've not been in the pub once? Over the course of the, like, we've opened and closed and opened and closed, like, a lot in the last Sorry, year Sorry, my, that's, that's my apologies. I was in the pub once between lockdown one and two, I believe. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, me too. Yeah. Um, And then, but this is the first time in ages, absolute yes, ages, yeah. that I was there. And proper night out, it was bank holiday weekend, so busy, you know yourself. Mm-hmm, and I realized mm-hmm. that I didn't miss drinking in the pub much. I missed the socializing. Don't get me wrong. Love socializing, love chatting with friends, love meeting people, all the rest of it. But the cost involved, like after the last <laughs> few weeks or months of like going to barbecues or having a few drinks with friends or playing a game of poker or something and only mm-hmm. having to buy like six or eight cans, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then going to the pub for me and them, it's always infinitely more expensive when you're out with your partner as well. Of course always. it is. Of course always. it is. And like, we well, <laughs> tell I, me this: does, does does Katie enjoy a cocktail? Because that's a killer. <laughs> no, no, she's a, dr- a gin drinker, so it's usually gin, like you know, pink gin and I don't know tonic that, or whatever. That can be as bad sometimes. Yeah, that can add up as well because there's, there's yeah, little, yeah. those little bottles of tonic that are like, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. four quid a bottle or something. <laughs> Highway robbery. <laughs> she actually, to be fair to her, Katie actually drinks gin and Seven Up, so for the most part, she can get a splash. Which isn't too bad. Yeah, well, that's the way to do it. But back to my original point. I didn't... Mi- I, after being in the pub at the weekend, I went, I don't miss that at all, really. I've mm-hmm. come to prefer... Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. I've come to prefer going to a barbecue or sitting in a mate's house or playing some poker or having, like, a board game night with a few cans or, you know... I have a close circle of friends. I don't think I'm going to add a whole lot more friends to that anytime soon. And, you okay, know, so it's an exclusive club. I it's think. not. It's not exclusive. It's just like I like. <laughs> I like my circle of friends. We get on really well together. We have great times together. And you know, you go to the pub, and then someone half knows someone, and they sit at your table too, and then you're meeting new people, and you're like, oh, I just don't have the energy right now for all that. Carry yeah, on. sure, 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 sure. But the main reason I bring this up was you'll be. You'll also be familiar with um the the majesticness of what is the top square in Port Leash after a night out. 
when everything closes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have never seen it as full of people in my life. Even really? on the busiest of Saturday nights pre-pandemic, I have never seen it as black with people. Wow. It, it was kind of scary. Just to clarify for anybody that's not Irish, that means full of people. Yes, <laughs> full of like like the, what we call the top square here in Port Leash is the kind of the area where after a nightclub or a pub, everyone goes to queue for taxis, get pizza, the usual after drinking activities that people like to do. Yes, yes. And it was insanely packed with people. That's going nuts. I want is do you think it's because it's the first bank holiday since people have gotten injections and whatnot? I think like so. A lot, a lot of our generation has now been vaccinated, you know, at least once, if not twice. I think so. I think so. And like even the local pizza place, which is like just one of those pizza places that's just a counter and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? They had like 40 people queuing inside their shop. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, and you're just walking past going, I'm not ready for this yet. No, no, no. It's it's, it's weird. It's like yeah. going from a photo into its negative. You know, I've spent like a year now cowering in my spare bedroom recording podcasts. And now here I am presented with a pizza shop with 40 people queuing. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I just yeah, want to go back. Yeah. In, I want to go back into my bubble with my like. <laughs> eight, my eight friends and just <laughs> drink cans but it's a it's a fair point like you know especially the cost like oh by the way i'm trying my best not to say like as much and so the more i say it will you just like i don't know virtually punch me or something <laughs> i'm really trying to get it out of my vocabulary but the cost is very much a real thing like we went on holidays this week we went to Kerry for two nights and we had a hotel that was far overpriced and you know at one point like uh, me and uh, Lorna we were walking through Kerry and we were talking about the hotel and she was like yeah it's really nice and it was reasonable wasn't it and I was like two nights for 480 euro will never be reasonable we cannot start telling each other that this is reasonable just because comparatively it's reasonable does not make it reasonable (laughs) but um that's that's the price of entry you know what i mean and for that we did get a massive room we didn't we didn't expect it we got a huge room it was like a suite um but it was so little more to get the suite and the reason we got it was because it came with like a kitchenette, it said on the ad. And then with the kitchenette, we were thinking, oh, well, you know, we can make some meals and it won't be as expensive. And, you know, we can probably put some drinks in a fridge and we can have some drinks in the room. You know, we're trying to make it like thrifty. Um, But when we got there, like the kitchen was as big as the room. It was huge. It was like a proper kitchen, like another room. And it looked like my parents' kitchen. It was crazy. (laughs) Um, So we went in and we made a full roast dinner the first night we were there. Murdered it on the table and then just went in, turned on the TV, which had somebody else's Netflix. So God bless when they look at their last plate or whatever, you know, Um, and then just like panned out on the bed for two hours digesting then went for pints it was beautiful but the the point of the story is that we then went for pints and jesus christ like the price especially in a holiday goer town holy crap like i'd say between uh i put about 500 
quid into my Revolute before we left. And I'm pretty sure I topped it up at some point. <laughs> you know, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. The, the price of of alcohol is too damn high. It is far, far too damn high. But um, but Kerry was great. I've never been there before. Kerry's it um, beautiful. It, it's beautiful. We went out to. Um, have you been to Macross? I'm not familiar. No. No, Macross is like uh, the next township outside of Killarney. Or I guess it's kind of more in an area than a township. But like it's right outside Killarney. It's like five minutes on a bike. And we got two bikes and we went out there. And Macross is kind of like, it has the kind of like, you know, the big stately manor, like in Portuguese terms, like emo court. Yeah. You know, but it's like much larger and um, it has like the rolling hills of Kerry, a scenery and stuff like that. And you can go to waterfalls and it's one big massive like walking slash cycling track. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, But yeah, I can see why people from Kerry are very protective of their county, you know. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. <laughs> You didn't by any mm. chance uh, get to go to the Lord of the Rings team pub while you were there, no? The Shire? Yeah. No, we passed by it and I was meant to go back to it, but we didn't get to go to a lot of pubs because we got there thinking that, okay, we went on a bank holiday Monday, we were there for Tuesday and we were there for Wednesday and we kind of thought like, okay, a lot of the tourists will have gone by that point. Or a lot of the people that would have been out, you know, locally would be gone. And no, that wasn't the case. The place was absolutely mobbed. And because my second injection was only last Saturday, I have to wait a week until I'm allowed into a pub. And they won't allow me, like, without I, you know, they'll check my card and see that I have to wait a week. So that's, you know, a thing. But to get an outdoor table down there was close to impossible. So we were just in a situation where we just couldn't get an actual table that could accommodate us. Because if you look into any places, the Shire included, it is absolutely empty inside. You know, there's like five or six tables that are full. And then outside it's just flooded with people and everybody's trying to like jump over each other to get the next table. And oh, we just we just found a quiet place luckily uh, on the first night and then we had drinks in the hotel on the second night. Well, it was raining that night too, but you know, but it was just a nightmare because if I had gone a week later, a week later, I would have been able to go anywhere I wanted, including the Shire. Is that any good in there? I I, I didn't actually get to I've, see. I've never it. been. The reason I was asking is because I wanted to know because I've never been <laughs> Okay, okay. I thought maybe it was just like a name and maybe it was just coincidentally lord of the rings related but like you know you reckon it is actually lord of the ringsy yeah i'm pretty sure it is i'm like kind of okay. kind of have like even the outside facade is a little bit like a hobbit kind of house with a little kind of rounded archway and stuff like that as far as as far as i'm aware i've only seen pictures and stuff online i'm just i really want to go and i've never gotten the chance <laughs> well cgc road trip coming your way baby <laughs> um with that let's get into what we consumed over the past week. So Shane, I've got to ask you, what have you been playing? I'm still playing Days Gone. Okay. I'm much further into it. Um, I've gone over the mountains, as it were. <laughs> I'm sure you know what that means as someone who's played it. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. That's that's roughly where I left off. I'm a little bit true there, but I have I still have to get back to it. That whole thing that just happened and unlocking that area and stuff... It made me feel like that game's pacing is weird. It's very weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
it's a very weirdly paced game. It's like, oh, you think the game's <laughs> over? No, here's another 15 hours of game that you didn't know was coming at all. Not even a hint of it coming. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, And it's, it's like, you think that you've seen all of the map as well at that point. Yeah. And you think you've met everybody you're going to met. And, and, and you think the, the big events that are happening are kind of going to be the crescendo. And you're just like, right, you can... If you're watching this or listening to this, you can kind of piece it together. It's a Sony story. But, like, you know, there is a guy who is troubled. And he finds somebody from his past who ha- who he has a troubled past with. And then, eventually, we get to the point where we resolve the troubled past. But that person now has a bit of a, a snaky character that's involved with them. Who has now screwed you over. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I must go get him. And I thought that was going to be just a case of, like, oh, final boss battle. We get to a place, loads of zombies, and we kill this dude. No. It's like, no, we have to go over a mountain. And then a whole other place opens. And... It's like a whole other game because even then, even when you get over that mountain, so many more mechanics start appearing as well. Like, and the landscape is like more impressive in a lot of ways than what you've seen before. And it's just like, wow, these guys really hid an awful lot behind like 30 hours of gameplay. A lot, a lot. Yeah. And it's also weirdly like closed off as well. There's literally you reach a point where it's like, okay, if you go do this mission and go to the next area. You are not allowed to return to the previous parts of the map for... It doesn't tell you how long or if you can ever return. It just says, you are not yeah. allowed to return. You are stuck in this area, this new area, for whatever amount of time it takes to... I assume I'll get back to the other areas because I haven't fully leveled up the encampments and stuff. I don't know. Like, I assume... That's my assumption. I don't know. Um, I hate I hate it when games aren't clear about that as well. You know, like, when they're just like, you can't go any further if you go here. It's like, that's okay but when i do the thing that i'm here to do can i go back that's all i need to know you know like or is it a case of like no when you get this whatever you left behind is gone baby you know like that's you don't know you just don't know and like this is the situation here and i don't see why it needs to be that situation i was just going to say that i don't know why this area needs to be locked off that i can't go back (laughs) yeah and like for context for anybody that may be listening that this let's move on from this pretty quickly as well because we've been talking a lot about this gone in the past (laughs) couple of weeks um but like in for example cyberpunk 2077 there comes a point at the end where it's like okay when you do this mission you're going to be locked in until it's complete and you do a little bit of traversing, but it's mostly linear to the end boss battle and the last story beats. Now, that's all grand because it tells you specifically, oh, but we'll drop you back right here when you're done, you know, so you can continue living your life or do whatever. This isn't bringing you to a boss battle. This is literally going, okay, you've started in this third of the map. You then opened this third of the map and could travel freely. Now you're going to open this third of the map and we're going to lock you in here. And they gave a very, very flimsy story reason. But like, I don't see why I can't just get on my bike and go home, you know? That's the thing. (laughs) And like, you know yourself from playing it that like you do missions for encampments and that levels Mm -hmm. up the encampments and it unlocks better gear in the shops or better you know, tires for your motorbike or what have you. Ah, but that's the thing. They only count in those two areas because when you go to that next place, all of the 
upgrades start from like the best things and the last place up. So yes. it's like so it's like that all meant nothing. I could have just like ignored that and just gotten through because I can just start buying stuff now. Yeah. But even in the other encampments, there's so many weapons that I were still are still locked to me because I never upgraded the encampments fully before being locked mm. into this new area. So there's whole weapons and stuff that I've no access to because you know that certain encampments sell certain guns. Like you can't buy the same gun in every encampment. Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah. if you want to experience all the weapons and try them out and see what works best for you or what you think has the best fire rate or damage or whatever. Like there's still those guns that are locked in encampments that are in an area of the map I've been told I can't go back to. Yeah, that's a bit of a bitch, alright. Now to be fair, I only use like the I've used like the same two weapons the entire way through. Like give me a single fire rifle in any game and I'm there. I don't care what it is. I don't care how like underpowered I may be. I just want that pinpoint accuracy. Bang, 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 and I'm out. But the um yeah, it's it's bizarre. But look, let's not spend too much more time on Days Gone. I think we'll probably finish it both pretty soon and it's it's just amazing isn't it how like the more you play it you're like i don't i can't believe that there's this much to it and i can't believe you made these weird decisions to get me here yeah (laughs) yeah yeah for sure it plays like a tv show rather than a movie if you get me it does it does a bit yeah it it rewards the binge yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah for sure now what have I been playing? I played some WarioWare on the train with Lorna, which was quite cool. Um, it's the Game Boy Advance game, WarioWare Inc. Have you ever played it? I've never played it. I'm familiar, but I've never played it. Ah, oh, they're so good. They're just like, just D-pad and a button, you know, just those quick WarioWare time games. Like, there's nothing more joyful, I find, than a WarioWare game. Like, they really nail what just video games are because it's just you don't get any time your intuition as a gamer just has to kick in sometimes you're wrong sometimes you have to use the intuition of like a normal person (laughs) and you just have to like stumble through until you get it and warrior is just a great time i i I absolutely love that and it was a great one to pass back and forth because me and lorna just just stayed on the same set of games and just tried to beat each other's score you know nice Uh, so that so that was good past an hour um but the big game I have been playing this week is The Ascent. Uh, Shane, I talked about The Ascent last week with you, where it, it's like Diablo meets Cyberpunk. Yes, meets yes. Meets an RPG. Yes, I remember, I remember. It absolutely slaps. It is probably the reason to buy an Xbox at the moment. Cool. Hmm. I yeah. may, I may like watch some Let's Plays or something, because I don't own an Xbox. But just to get a feel yep. or get to kind of see what it's about or what's going on. Um, how far in do you reckon you are? Or have you seen everything the game has to offer yet, do you think? I think I'm probably about halfway through. Okay. It's not a, It's not supposed to be a massively long game, if you don't want it to be, really. It's kind of, um, it's about 25-hour campaign, I think. But that's a solo campaign as well. That's just you playing by yourself. Now... There is just a lot to talk about with this game. I'm going to try and keep it short. The aesthetic of this game is unbelievable. It's it it's the first time I've seen a game do cyberpunk well. And I don't care about CD Projekt when I say that. Like, the, the aesthetic of the cityscape that they've created. And there's multi-layers. Like it's called The Ascent. You're obviously working your way up through the classes and up. It's kind of like a... 
it's kind of like a you know poorest people on the bottom layer and it gets more rich as you go up kind of a thing um but man the visuals are just jaw-dropping they're beautiful like it's all neon it's all like weird construction and you know rains and wet paths reflecting everything and oh like because it's like a diablo game it has a fixed camera perspective that it swings around at its own leisure you know and it really 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 shows that these kind of isometric fixed camera games can do a lot with that because you're not swinging the camera around you know willy-nilly taking up you know processing power it can just put all of its focus on what it's showing you at that time and it's beautiful and this is a i can't remember the name of the studio i was trying to remember and i forgot but it's it's their first outing and to see this it's just amazing um you are playing a twin stick shooter with this so you know it's diablo meets twin stick shooter to a degree and it feels fantastic it's the twin stick shooting is great the integration with the diablo style kind of like you know hitting hitting tugs and you know uh, loot coming out of them for lack of a better word that whole thing just feels great the story is okay but it's written quite well like a lot of the character interactions and the people you're talking to on the street it's all written very well a lot of it is voiced a lot of it isn't but even the stuff that isn't it's kind of voiced in like alien languages so like you can kind of get away with it because they sound angry when they should be angry and they sound you know happy when they should be happy and it, it works you know um but yeah, just in general, like the systems, it's not perfect. Like it's it's definitely not perfect. It's it's probably the most flawed game that I have had the most fun with in years. It's it makes very strange decisions with like fast travel. Like there's just practically no fast travel. So you're doing a lot of walking back and forth. And then the ones like, there's like taxi systems that can bring you to so many places, but there are literally so many places, and they're all like spread away from everything you want to do so a lot of the time you just find yourself walking maybe with a podcast on or something but just in general like this was just a sleeper hit like it's it's amazing how little i knew about it and now that i've seen it i think that there was just a hole in my heart and it seems like the gaming public's heart for an isometric cyberpunk twin stick shooter diablo and none of us knew yeah it sounds like it like, from everything you're saying there, it sounds like an awesome game. I love cyberpunk stuff in general. I like the aesthetic of cyberpunk. I like the stories that are told. Um, so, it sounds like it's right up my street. I also haven't played a good twin-stick shooter in a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's very, like, do you know the games that Housemark made? Like, Alienation and, yeah. um, was it Dead Nation? Um, They were fantastic. I used to play the crap out of them on the PS4. And it's it's great to see that return now, you know. Like I want I want more of those because those worlds, like I love the diorama style of like isometric worlds. You know, it's it's just so interesting because they can just put so much detail into things and the perspective they can play with that. And ah, just it's just some really cool stuff. Shane, I think if any game is going to be up your street on an Xbox, this is probably the first one that I can say to you isn't on your PS Five. That I would recommend to you. Sweet. Straight on to Amazon right now to buy a Series X. Have it delivered <laughs> for the morning. No rent. No, I'm not going to pay rent this month. And I'm going to buy a Series X and play The Ascent. Yeah, 
<laughs> Take that, landlord. Um, no, no, for sure. It, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. That has been what I've been playing, and I will check back in on that and let you know my thoughts when I get closer to the end. But Shane, I think we're probably running on a little bit. Should we skip what we're watching this week and maybe catch up more on that next week and jump straight into all of these glorious questions we're going to talk through? I think we should, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, cool. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break, remind you guys of our socials, and then we'll come back and answer all of those beautiful, beautiful questions. Okay, guys, play that thing. Hey there. If you want to keep up with all things casual game content, you can do so in a number of ways. The easiest way to do so is to follow us on all of our socials at Casual Game Co. Not content because you only get 15 characters, but hey, what can you do? At Casual Game Co. That's at C-A-S-U-A-L-G-A-M-E-C-O. Can't be any simpler than that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And when you're at Facebook, look for the group, the Casual Game Community. It's a good bunch. We're going to love you. Come on by. If you could do us a massive favor, like the podcast, review the podcast, and just tell a friend about the podcast. It goes a long way and you can find all of our content on podcast forms wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Casual Gamecast. Thanks again for all of your help and all of your support. It means the absolute world to us. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Now, Shane, as we said, it is episode 50, baby, and we are going to answer a few questions to celebrate. So, play that thing. Question of the now, our first question comes from Paul Mason, former alumni of CGC, who asks, what games that are considered to be masterpieces do you dislike and why? And he gives the examples of Ocarina of Time, Red Dead, Half-Life 2, the greatest of all time territory here. Now, that is, that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. To- that's a hard one to answer. Like, we're straight off the bat. We're not starting it off easy here. We didn't We didn't pick a, a palate cleanser here to kind of get us going. It's like, no, no. No, no, straight in there. I don't know. Like, what, what comes to mind when you think of gaming masterpieces that don't really do it for you, you know? I don't know. You see, I know there's popular franchises, like really, really popular ones that don't do it to me. I think last week or the week before on the podcast, I said Elder Scrolls. Yeah, like, I think that's probably your one. Like, you know, if you were to answer that just for you, I think, like, Elder Scrolls is pretty big on the list, like, you know. Yeah, I just, maybe I'm focused too much on the word masterpiece because I really don't think Elder Scrolls is a masterpiece. And I think even... But that's because you don't like it. (laughs) But I think even the people who like Elder Scrolls probably don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's, like, a flawed masterpiece to a lot of people. To to the people who spent, like, 900 hours in it, I'm sure that they'd have something to say, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's that probably would be my answer i'm trying to like i'm trying to think of what else in the in the upper echelon of games that i just don't gel with whatsoever yeah because like it's a funny question like while you're thinking i'm just going to vamp for you it's a funny question when you think about it because like to say you dislike something it's quite a strong way of putting it because there's many gaming franchises that i know are like lauded as being fantastic and wonderful but like 
I don't dislike them. I like them from a distance, but when I start playing them, I'm not into them. Um, like CRPGs are a big one for me. Like I'm, I really want to play Disco Elysium. I really, really want to finish it. I've started it and I just can't go back to it. It's, it's something about that like click and text game play that just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, Pillars of Eternity and all those types of games, they're amazing. But like, I just can't get into them. At least when I'm by myself. I've often said that like maybe I see RPG such as Pillars or such as what's that one you can play in multiplayer. Um, but like if I can play any of these things with a partner or with a buddy that's going to spear me on along the way, then yeah, like completely. Yeah. But these like that's not me saying though that I dislike these games. That's just more like they're not for me. But I can see why they're great. I get you. I I did while you were vamping, I did a quick Google on the old cordless phone here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all saw. Yeah. We all saw. <laughs> just to just to jog my memory of maybe like, you know, some of the t- what's considered some of the top one hundred games of all time. Um one or two jumped out at me there as games that I am just not that into either. Uh Mass the Mass Effect franchise being one. Okay. Just I find it a bit kinda drags on and you know it's just not for me i find it too i don't know if i want to say large in scope but i found it a very long experience when i tried to play it like too long Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing because i love the witcher games and they seem to go on for an eternity you know so i don't know what it was about mass effect maybe it was the weird janky animations or the acting or something i just couldn't gel with but something about mass effect never clicked with me Mm-hmm. and then the other one which is games I've played a good bit of over the years because everybody has but it's Mario I don't like playing Mario very much huh okay I'm not very good at platformers traditionally <laughs> anyway yeah 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 I like Mario Kart for the camaraderie of getting the lads around and having a few beers and like you know playing for bragging rights or whatever or everyone sticks a fiver on the table winner takes all kind of thing but Mario, mm, Mario, spicy. Mario games in general, like your general kind of platformy Mario games, I just don't play. I don't find them fun or enjoyable. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting one because you know Mario is like he is like homogenized to become everybody's taste. You know, like he is like a Mario game is designed for everyone to like it. You know, it's not like this is going to appeal to this demographic. You know, it's like all ages, all races, all demographics, all whatever. It's a very much just like here's a video game, now play it, you know. And I found myself going back to Mario games recently because much like you I didn't really play many of them, but I always respected them from a distance. But I, I, yeah, now that I'm kind of gone back into playing more of them again, I, yeah, they're they're pretty great. I I can't say they're not, but I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I think part of it might be the kind of homogenization of Mario. Like you know, it does mm-hmm. it does what it does well, but it doesn't really pick a lane. You know, See, it doesn't do my... anything to. It's just it's just a game, and it just yeah. does what it does, and it's always going to do what it does, and it's never going to offend. It's never going to shock. It's never going to make you angry or sad or offended or anything. It's not mm-hmm. going to do anything 
it has no edge yeah it has no edge whatsoever it has no it's, edge, a, yeah. it's a formless orb you know it's just it, it just has no potential to ever offend anybody about anything because it has no opinion let's say yeah <laughs> it is just a game for game's sake but sometimes that's needed um and i think the boring answer and i'm sorry paul but this is kind of the answer for most people Unless you're a real curmudgeon or unless you're like just somebody who like likes making arguments where there are none. If a game is considered a masterpiece, honestly, I'm probably going to like it for what it does. You know, like even if I've not played it, it like I can't see myself looking at one of these masterpiece games like your Ocarina of Time, Red Dead's, Half-Life's. Like I appreciate games not to sound like a douche but i appreciate games <laughs> on on a kind of a level of like i don't need it to be for me i just need to know what it's doing that's cool and if i can see that that's cool then that's enough you know what i mean and that that kind of makes me not dislike it per se i get where you're coming from and that is a phenomenal that's a great answer i know it sounds like you're being avoidy or whatever but i think that is a very good answer because we're all fans of video games here that's why we're here that's why Mm -hmm. we do this but to for you to not be the mario of this question if i was to hold a gun to your head right now and you were to say like if you if you had to choose you had to choose one that you just i know you were trying to avoid choosing by giving that answer but (laughs) i'm not going to allow you to be the mario of this question so you're going to pick one just one anyone whatever comes to mind (laughs) that can't be the mario of this (laughs) (laughs) okay i like that for a show title um hmm if i had to put a gun to my head and pick a game that everybody holds up as being a masterpiece that i do not like i honestly don't have one like i think the closest thing i could do is get no actually sorry i do have one and i said it last week i said it last week shane deus ex hate it there you hate go it. can't can't play them hate them there you hate go them. oh always disliked them always thought that they were overblown always thought they're too slow and the the mechanics that people praise them for are done better elsewhere. Maybe on the first Deus Ex game, I, I don't know. I've not really played that. But the later ones, not for me. Moving on. <laughs> um, Shane, do you want to read out the next one from Jack? I'll take the next question. Yes, this comes from a friend friend of the show, Jack Donovan. Also friend of me. Um, also a, a work friend as well or we used to work together we don't work together anymore but we used to uh, anyway that's I'm getting off on a tangent there yeah <laughs> so Jack asked uh, has this has Souls like gameplay completely taken over like hack and slash like you know are hack and slash games disappearing and is Souls like becoming the new kind of thing in that kind of sword and attack kind of genre of games yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, that's not something I've really thought about. How, do you think? Do you think that's before we answer his question? Do you think that's the case? Do you think there is like? I definitely is, think is there, there a movement out there. I definitely think there is a a lack of hack, hack and slash games in recent years. They're definitely uh, dwindling in their numbers. So hack and slash, like this, always confuses me as a genre. Do we consider Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and stuff like that hack and slash? Or is that stylish action? Or are they both hack and slash? I would call Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Metal Gear Rising, all that stuff. I would all call them hack and slash. I always have. They always fall under okay. that genre to me. Like, and outside of those games in particular, when I say hack and slash, you think of... 
well you have me you, you've caught me off guard there on that one actually <laughs> i suppose i'm just I, it's, as a as a genre i just don't know what exactly hack and slash is you know i think like the the, the game that comes to my mind immediately when you say it is there's two games one is 99 nights that launch game for the xbox 360 with the girl and there was just mm-hmm. like loads of enemies coming at you and you had to slash 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 i remember yes. playing that on a kiosk when the xbox 360 was about to be released i think i know what your se- i think i know what your second one's going to be now as well. uh, uh dynasty warriors yeah it's kind of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like is that is that what hack and slash is you know cuz cuz if that's the case then if jack's asking has Dark Souls gameplay taken over Hack and Slash? I don't think so. Because now, Jack, I'm sorry. Like, if we've missed the mark here, and there's just like, no, you you completely misread this question. I'm sorry. I do apologize. Please do write in like you did the first time on the Casual Game Community over on Facebook to let us know how off the mark we got this. But if that is, you know, let's just say that is what he was asking, like the. The Muso games, like the the Dynasty Warriors, like they've been going very strong with you know Hyrule Warriors and you know Fire Emblem and all those types of things. And realistically, like Dark Souls hasn't had that many competitors to the throne. Like it had a couple at the beginning, but people have kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, so it has a few. And it had it. It was it was all the rage there for a while. Dark Souls, like yeah. like because Soul Dark Souls blew up. Every game company was like, we got to get in that. We have to have our own Souls game, and yeah. no one could ever do it as well as as Problem did. And as that kind of because no one could do it as well, the games didn't sell as well. And they were like, oh, there is actually nothing here. Souls like gameplay is not the thing for us, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, kind of maybe part of what jack is getting at as well like what did i play recently that had a little bit of a soulsy feel to it even though it was much easier than a souls game darksiders maybe darksiders yes actually i played darksiders i did another quick bit of google foo for hack and slash games to see what google tells me <laughs> hack and slash games we got, we, on, on the video you just see you looking down to the corner of the screen it's like you're cheating on a test or something google has google, <laughs> google has stuff in here like near automata um darksiders bayonet wow. uh, uh, middle earth shadow of mordor or shadow of war Dante's and wait no wait 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 whoa 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 that's getting that's getting very broad now like is it like any game with a sword is it yeah they've Dynasty Warriors um Diablo Rise Son of Rome Hellblade like, Senua's Sacrifice God of War that's like six different genres of games yeah it is it is I know I think yeah I think Google thinks that hack and slash is something. My understanding of hack and slash, and I think it's probably what Google is going at as well, is any game where you can conceivably get through a fight by just mashing like two buttons and you swing a melee weapon. Okay, I don't know. That's that's very bizarre as as because like this is the thing, right? Hack and slash has existed in the ethos as a genre for a, a long time. And yet it's never really been nailed down. Mm-hmm. And I think, Shane, this is our... Do you know what, Jack? I'm sorry. 
No, Souls-like hasn't taken it over. But the, the <laughs> reason the reason there's no hack and slash games is because every goddamn game is a hack and slash game, apparently. But Shane, this is our oeuvre. This is our mission now, right? We have to we have to decide now what games are hack and slash and what games aren't. Okay. Ninety nine nights, hack and slash or no? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, hack and slash is generally like a secondary genre as well. It, it seems like I don't yeah. I don't think. Because, like, that's kind of like a Muso game, which is the term for any game made by Muso, which is like Dynasty Warriors and mm-hmm. stuff, because they've just coined it. Or it's like roguelike, you know, yeah, you know yeah. coming from rogue. But, like, okay, so there's that. Devil May Cry, hack and slash or not? I always consider Devil May Cry a hack and slash. I think it's a stylish action game first. Hack mm-hmm. and slash. Like, see, this is, where, this is where a lot of these games fall into this. Like I just said, my understanding of a hack and slash yeah. was always you can mash, like, two or three buttons to make your way through a fight and you don't particularly have to do it correctly. Like, if you go into a fight in Devil May Cry, you can just kind of mash square and triangle and you'll probably come out okay. Yeah, that's true. And, like, Shadow of Mordor or whatever is kind of similar. Bayonetta is the same, you know. Shadow of Mordor is just like an Assassin's Creed game. Sorry. Like, is Assassin's Creed hack and slash? The newer ones are probably more hack and slash than the older ones. But no, but we're not adding like adjectives to say yes. more hack and slash or whatever. Like, is it hack and slash? New ones, yes. Old ones, no. Wow, I wouldn't even go that far. Like, I that's just saying to me now, if there is a weapon in it and there is a dedicated button to swing the weapon, then therefore it's a hack and slash because you can technically hack and slash. Like, that's kind of like... But then it's also a beat em up because I can take off the weapons and also press that button and beat them up. Like yeah, like, yeah, true. Ha- hack and slash is a very, <laughs> it's a very broad genre. Like when you look at say your Shadow of Mordor or whatever, that is just the Batman system but with a sword in your hand. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and honestly, Assassin's Creed have been doing it too. You yeah, know? they have. They they've all borrowed from each other. Yeah, they've all. Um, get off that phone, Shane. I'm trying to. You're f- taking a test. You're taking a test. I'm. I'm. I was looking for like the definition, like the Wikipedia definition of hack and slash, <laughs> just to see if we can nail this down here, right? If we can do one thing with our 50th episode, if we can finally conclusively figure out what hack and slash games are, then I will die happy. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a weird hill to die on. But it okay. Is. Yeah. That, that's fair. We're here that's now. Fair. I've staked my claim. My flag is up. <laughs> <laughs> whilst you're uh, Google fooing what uh, hack and slash may or may not be I'm going to read out one quick one here from Alex Oli again friend of the show how did Urukai know what a menu was Shane is our resident uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> expert so he can explain the intricate back lore as to why the Urukai knew what a menu was yeah watch me um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the Urukai went. Like, look, right? Menus obviously exist in the world of Lord of the Rings because there is inns and pubs, and you know, usually yep. you'd ask for food, and they'd be like, "What do you want?" And if you have food to choose from, that's kind of a menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, completely. and realistically, like, if he was going to ask for the the thing is, like, how did Urukai know most of the phrases that they said? You know, like we we impart these phrases upon each other as humans by picking up on stuff and watching TV and listening to each other. Like, should the Urukai not have been completing, have been talking a completely different language, yet alone not speaking phrases that are, you know, human? Yeah, true. They also speak English. Like, you know, 
yeah Perf- perfect english in cockney accents and whatnot it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so like i think the short answer there alex is they've got menus in urukai land moving on um have you found your definition i have according to wikipedia okay uh refers hack and slash refers to a type of gameplay that emphasizes combat with melee based weapons there may also feature a few projectile based weapons as well as such as secondary weapons it is a subgenre of beat em up games which focuses on melee combat usually with fists. Hack and slash action games are sometimes known as character action games. Right. So that was quite boring but very detailed. Yes. The, the simple fact there is, right, and I think it kind of hit it one of those sentences hit the nail on the head for me, which is it is a sister genre of the beat em up. And I like to think, right, here's my comparison, okay? Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. Beat him up. Yeah. Okay? Golden Axe. Hack and Slash. Yeah. You know? Once you go into the 3D realm, it all just falls apart. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they're, they're, they're your two definitions. And so if you can keep that in mind as you're... So, Shane, over, over the next year... Every game we play, we have to keep it in our mind. Is this a hack and slash? Yeah. And report back. Okay. <laughs> like, I know we talked about it enough at the top of the show, but does that technically make Days Gone a hack and slash? Because I can pick up a fire axe and hack a zombie to bits. And the, yeah, and keep pressing X or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I, that's that's what I mean. You can't you can't call it a hack and slash. <laughs> it's just it's just not. It's crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> Shane. It's crazy. Anyway, let's move the hell on from there. Darren Clifford in the Facebook community also asks. What do you think is the best Star Wars related game? He asked specifically for PS4, but I think we can kind of broaden that one out there to go like, what is just the best? We'll also answer for him on PS4 because the guy asked him, we got to answer. But like, what is also the best one in general? So let's start on PS4. Okay. I think it's probably, there's been some good ones lately actually, but it's probably pound for pound Battlefront 2. Which started off horrible, but it's actually a fantastic game now. Yeah. If you're into shooters. Yeah. I have only played the horrible version of Battlefront 2. So I can't agree with you on that one until I play the other one. For me, it is probably Jedi Fallen Order because I prefer Mm -hmm. to be a Jedi in my Star Wars games. Or a Sith, even. I prefer to wield a lightsaber. Which you can do in Battlefront 2. But no, I I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um... Yeah, it's that would have been my secondary answer is but if you're not into shooters, this is the one. Yeah. On PS4 specifically. Although on PS4 they did release those SNES games, Super Star Wars and stuff like that. So that's that's a fun time. They're terrible games, but that's a fun time. Um yeah, I think on PS4 they're probably unequivocally the best. Yeah. Now in general though that's a that's an interesting question like what's like star wars as a franchise has like it's had its stinkers of course Mm -hmm. but like it's got a pretty good ratio in terms of good to bad video games based on a license yeah yeah like there's some crackers in there absolute Mm -hmm. crackers of games and like you said there's some absolute trash monsters as well um... (laughs) yes i like what you did there trash monsters (laughs) um for me, it's definitely Jedi Knights or Jedi Knight, whatever. I think it's 
Jedi Knight and then the sequel is possibly Jedi Knights. I'm, I, I, yeah, something Academy is it? Yeah, Jedi Knight that. Academy or something like that. I remember playing it on like the family PC when I was like kind of mm-hmm. trying to learn what gaming was more so than outside of a Nintendo. I was like, but if I have a do it on the family computer, I can have 3D worlds and it's super graphics and all. It wasn't at the time, of course, but like, you know, <laughs> you know yourself. Um, so I really like that. And once again, it's one where you could, you had force powers and you wielded lightsaber and you could like deflect bla- or blaster beams back at enemies and stuff if you held the block button. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a lot of, um, I suppose, third person action game mechanics where you leveled up your force powers as you went and you unlocked new ones and all this kind of stuff to help you in certain situations and blah, blah, blah. And I was a big Star Wars fan as a kid because I got to go see the movies again in the cinema. My first experience of Star Wars movies was in the cinema. Great. Yeah, no, because I'm, they re- they re-showed them for whatever <laughs> reason. And I was like, you know, a kid sitting there in the chair like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it as a kid apart from cartoons or something. So yeah, then I yeah, got yeah, to play this game where I where I am a Jedi. And I'm like, this is this is it. This is the greatest game ever made. Nothing, yeah, all yeah. of gaming future will Stop ever top this. Yeah, that's it. Shut down, <laughs> shut down the gaming industry. They have done it. They have won. Yeah, any game that allows you to deflect laser beams back with your lightsaber was always an instant hit, especially like in the early days, like in the early 2090s or whatever. Yeah. Like that was just like, oh, yeah, oh this is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. Like the, the PS1 video games, um, the Phantom Menace games or Jedi, I can't know. I can't remember exactly what they were called, but like they were pretty much focused around Phantom Menace, which was the new hotness at the time. Yeah. And you played either Obi-Wan or you played as Qui-Gon Jinn. And, you know, you start off in that deal that went bad or whatever. And, like, just running around third person. And then, like, the droids come and you're just, like, you know, blowing them up by sending back their beams at them. That was just blowing my mind as, like, a 10-year-old or whatever I was at the time. It was like, wow, video games are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, I think for me, if I had to say best of them it's it's very hard for me to say the older games because a lot of them don't hold up like they used to like they're still great you know for what they were but like if we went back to do a third person game i would probably say you should probably play fallen order it's the newest it's the most graphically fidel it's it's closest to the source material in terms of what you're looking and what you're hearing i'll probably go for that and then if it's like oh, well, what about, like, a flight sim or something? It's like, ah, Squadrons is pretty great. It's yeah. it's pretty, like, it looks amazing. I don't know what more you want from it. Um, You know, so it's like, where, where do you go? But I think for my money, the best Star Wars game ever made was probably the Star Wars Pod Racers on uh, PS2. The one with the big, massive heads where everybody's <laughs> going around Mario Kart style. That's it. You can't take that one away from me. That is a good time for all the family. But <laughs> but no, serious answer. Just whatever is the new hotness. Honest to God, Battlefront 2, I think, is honestly the best you know Star Wars game that was ever made, considering it came from a rags to riches situation. Yeah is quite impressive if you go in there nowadays it'll cost you like nothing pretty much and the amount of content that's in there even if you never go online is pretty damn impressive so yeah 
run, don't walk, go. Battle front two is my yeah. opinion. Let's just I wanna I wanna like backpedal for just two minutes. Sure. As soon as we brought up Jedi Fallen Order and we were just talking about hack and slash games. <laughs> and Jack's question about Souls like games taking over. So I would normally look at Jedi Fallen Order and go, Yeah, hack and slash. Yes. But having pe- Well, no, no, I wouldn't. I would have said Souls like This I is what I this is what Souls. this is what I was getting. I was about to say, but having played it. Yes. Souls like. You know? And this mm-hmm. I suppose that's a good game to differentiate you know the hack and slash stuff because like most Star Wars games with a lightsaber I would consider hack and slashy to a degree. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whereas Fallen Order is not. It's yeah, you have to be a, a bit, lot of parrying and, and you have to be a bit more calculated about what you do. You can't just run in headlong or you're gonna get murdered to bits with blasters and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah, that was just sorry, that just popped into my head after talking about Jack's question. I got it out of my system now. We can move on to the That's next question. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. We are coming up on the hour. So Shane, how about some lightning round questions from yours truly? Yeah. Okay. First one's coming up. Favorite handheld gaming system? Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color. Moving on. Gurk in or Gurk out? Gurk out for sure. Oh, Gurk in all day, baby. You're a monster. Right, moving on. Who would win? A bear or 100 pissed off chickens? Bear. Okay, yeah, you're probably right there. But then, counterpoint from Dave DC in the Facebook community. Would you prefer to fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? 100 duck-sized horses, because I think one horse-sized duck would terrify me. The devil duck would be quite hard. I don't know. I think I would want to fight a horse-sized duck. Like, a horse-sized duck is not that big. Like, a horse is not that big. Do you know what I mean? Like, a horse is just a bit taller than I am. So, like, the duck would be a bit taller than I am. And, yeah, like, I just have to figure out how to get around its neck and, you know, strangle it or something. I don't know. What do you do? I don't know. I just feel like, like, I don't know. I feel like a horse-sized duck is a scary endeavor. So, I think ducks are not that scary because of the size they are. But, like, you know, when you even, even when they get slightly bigger, when you see, like, geese and swans, um, but geese are different. No, no, no. If you said a horse-sized goose, I'd be out of there. I'd be gone. Good luck. <laughs> what is it? What is a goose, honey? Essentially, an extra-large duck. It's a pissed-off duck with an extra-long leg. That's our neck. That's what it is. <laughs> it's not like. Well, have you ever seen a duck angry? It's so rare. It's so rare. But like every goose I've seen is angry, or a swan, or whatever. They're all angry. Yeah. They are the devil's fowl. <laughs> yeah. Not a fan of the swans, man. They're always like trying to come after me at lakes and stuff like I've done something wrong. But they, you have and they know what it is, Shane. And it's going to come out. I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life looking over my shoulder. I'm going to be in my, my trench coat in a dark alley wondering what that hissing sound is coming behind me. <laughs> <laughs> like a noir detective movie. <laughs> oh, it's you, long throw. <laughs> <laughs> okay very good well guys that is it let's leave it here for now and shane i think we both get to go away and celebrate it's been 50 episodes 50 weeks running we have been doing this but i want to do a couple of thank yous here right away first of all want to thank everybody that has listened you at home anyone that has listened to any one of these episodes and if you're hearing this one now I get to thank you. And if you haven't listened to this one, I'm sorry that I don't get to thank you. But every single person that has listened 
thank you so very much everybody who has liked shared done all that type of stuff joined our communities on you know facebook twitter whatever like you've all been doing massive work and thank you so much thank you so much for everything you've done um especially over like we've done quite a lot of different kind of things over the last 50 weeks we've done you know written content audio content video content you guys have been great in trying to support us and whatever and it's all super appreciated also want to give a huge 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 thank you to aaron thompson uh who is our editor of these podcasts he's he's been just completely unparalleled in the effort that he's put in uh we literally drop files up to him on a thursday night and by the weekend he just tells us it's there and we put it out to you guys so huge uh shout out to aaron and i hope we have him back on the cast again soon um and then outside of that i think the biggest person i have to thank shane is you 50 weeks man 50, 50 weeks. weeks we've been sitting here yeah yeah exactly i have the exact same sentiment the fans the listeners the likers the sharers the commenters the question askers all you people are wonderful aaron makes a herculean effort we just have to show up and be idiots for an hour whereas aaron makes yeah. <laughs> aaron makes all the magic happen like you know we're just two talking morons here going like oh did you see what happened this weekend the thing about the stuff but he's like you know makes it sound nice puts in the music does all that you know wonderful wonderful thing that rounds out this show and makes it listenable yes and then of course there is you as well my co-host you know we we can't do this is not a solo thing we can't this is some work without the other person yeah i've been thinking about that recently is that like i'd never want to miss a week so what happens if like you know we can't get a guest on and one of us drops off. It's like, I'm, I'm seriously going to do like a blind buy podcast one of these days where I'm just like sitting here with piano music, just talking about my thoughts or something. <laughs> I've thought about that as well. Whatever happens if one of us is sick. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, we're just going to have to go for it and do like a solo thing where you're just kind of <laughs> talking to the listeners. Like you said, blind buy style where it's just you and some smooth jazz and, you know, your, mm-hmm. your deeper innermost thoughts about video games. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Let's look forward to that one in a nebulous future. But, yeah, thanks again, guys. It has been a blast for this 50 weeks. We are going to, as I said, do something. We haven't planned much, so we're going to have to start planning. But we do plan on doing something in two weeks' time for our 52nd episode, which will be considering it's all consecutive weeks. That will be our one-year anniversary. Um, But stay tuned for more information on that. But... Thank you for being with us for this 50. If you've not listened to our podcast, it's interesting, let's say, to go back to the first one and then listen to the 50th one. We've come a long way, baby. (laughs) But thank you for everything. You have been awesome. Shane, you have been awesome. Aaron, you've been awesome. Everybody in the team has been awesome. I think it's probably time we take this one home. Let's take it on home. All right, boy. Thank you, everyone, once again, for listening. If you have never been here before, it is by far the most casual of gaming podcasts on the interwebs, a casual gamecast, if you will. And if you have been here before, welcome back and thank you for coming back again. If you could do us one little favor, do like the podcast and consider leaving a review for the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Share it out. Tell a friend. You know, tell a 
have we said a milkman? I don't care if we've if we said it or not. Tell a milkman they're handy because they go from door to door. We need we need a milkman on our team. Okay, we need somebody going door to door in every house in the locality, telling people about postman. the casual game. Tell cast. your postman. Him also. Yeah. Yeah. He goes to more people. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything that you guys do in that way is always very much appreciated. If you want to follow all things CGC, you can do so in a number of ways: our Twitter, our Facebook, our twitch even uh it's all at casual game call you'll find it down below in the description and if you want to join our discord you can do so that is also down below in the description in a link form uh pop by we're gonna love you i am also planning on doing a bit of streaming again uh, as of next week i'm thinking tuesdays uh i just have i have everything set up it's all ready to go it's all here it's all ready to go just need to, to queue that bad boy up and I'm thinking, Shane, of doing some full series things. So, like, once a week for, like, three hours, make my way through a full series of games. And I'm thinking of, like, jumping into the deep end with it. I'm thinking maybe Grand Theft Auto. Ooh. I think I think I'm going to start on Grand Theft Auto PS1 and then go, like, London and then, like, GTA 2 and then 3 and Vice City and whatever. Because... I could play those games till the cows come home, and that's the secret they tell me is play what you enjoy. So hey, yeah, yeah, it'd be you like know? it'd be like if I was to start streaming, I'm just going like, oh, I'll start with Dark Souls one, and then Dark Souls two, and then Dark Souls three, and then Bloodborne, <laughs> yeah. and then Sekiro. <laughs> exactly. But if you want to get in on that Twitch action, do pop over to Casual Game Co on Twitch. It's linked in the description below. Give it a follow, and you then will get the notification when we go live. But that has been it. I've been Phil. I've been Shane. And we are taking it on home. Take care. Be safe. But most of all, stay casual. Enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.